Welcome to the Broken Arrow, a traditional bow hunting podcast with your hosts, Schaefer Magnet and Chris Siegel. Figured I was talking to a bunch of young techie kids that probably could do anything. Dude, dude, you're not much older than me. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. That's why I said that. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Well, I, I appreciate that. I like to feel younger, sort of. Exactly. I have the distinction of looking older than Chris, but being significantly younger. <laughs> not, not anymore. He shaved. That's true. I did. He looks like a kid again. That's, that's what he said. He said. Before he did the podcast, he was going to have to go get you out of toddler town so he could get it done. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So how you been? How's things? Been good. Yeah, super good. I've uh, been kind of busy with work. I, You know, I always want to take off and go on trips and go do stuff, but I can't... Uh, uh, I mean, you know, everybody thinks if you're self-employed, you just take off whenever you want. That's it's true, but it's not true. You know, it's like everything, you got to have everything lined out before you can just hit the road. You know, everything's got to be taken care of. I mean, the contractors and guys I work for, they don't really understand it when you say, hey, uh, they don't want to hold their job up for two or three weeks so I can go on a hunting trip. So. Yeah. yeah. Never actually yeah. running your own business doesn't seem to be a good business plan. Well, it's I mean, it's got its ups and downs. I've uh, been self-employed my whole life, so I guess I kind of deal with it. But, it, I mean, you know, you you work really, really hard when you work, and then you play hard when you play, I guess. So, yeah, are you... I don't... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, are, are you are you more uh, residential or commercial? Oh, I do a little of both. I, I really am... I'm not much of a people person, so I didn't really... Like I had four or five guys at one time, but I just, I just don't like it. Like I don't, you know, you and if you're going to run that, you know, you get over four or five guys, all you do is run around and make sure everybody else has got work to do. And, and it's just, I don't, I just don't really like it. Like I'd rather, I'd rather have one or two guys or even one guy's better. Like, and I could just work with them and it just seems to work a lot better. Yeah, you know, get, I mean, I, I don't, you know, if I'm off a day or don't have it, you know, have some time off, downtime, I'm not, you know, some guys got to have that paycheck. You know, they got to have 40 hours every week or they, you know, if they get a day off or something, they're all, you know, upset. They can't miss the time, but that's, that's usually not my case. Perfect. Yeah, it's nice when you got like one guy that knows what he's doing, which is hard to find these days, finding good, decent dudes to work for you. Um, well, and that's, that's all it's nowadays. It's probably even tougher, but it's kind of always been that way. Like my client, like, you know, I would get really good get guys and they'd be really, really good. But usually the first year, um, you know, especially younger guys, you're, you're kind of training them. Like you're kind of, training them and get, I mean, they can still work and be a help to you, but you're getting them trained and, and then once they get all trained and you, you got them to where you can kind of 
leave them on their own or what have you, and they, you know, go get a job working for somebody else. So, and I, I get it. I mean, I understand it, but it's still pain in the butt for me, you know, because they, they want big bucks and then you get them trained up to where they're beneficial and then they, you know, they up and quit. But yeah, and then you start all over again, right? Yeah, and I just, like I said, I, I, I got one really, really, really super good guy, and I, I mean, he, I pay him really, really well, and you know, it works. It's, he's been with me for quite a while, so it works. Perfect. Sounds like how I got Chris for the co-host of this podcast. Yeah, but I don't get paid. I never said that. <laughs> I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to say the least. Wow. <laughs> I just there stick around. I won't go away. But how far do you guys live from each other? Five and a half hours. I, th- I think that's about where we're at, right? Five, yeah, five to six. Yeah, he's up in Vermont and I'm down in Pennsylvania. Okay, okay. Yeah. So what have you been up to since we saw you last? Since we saw you up at Kalamazoo, you been you getting out of anything or just mostly working? No, I mean it's this time of year is kind of you know I mean the, the weather's bad you know not a lot of lot of lots going on but, you know it's like tax time I got to get stuff done for you know this business stuff and you know I got some little side projects I'm trying to do on my own you know want to do myself but man that's just we've had some you know we've had a couple man when it gets you know we get snow and then it gets wet and it freezes and then it thaws out it's just you know for construction it can be a it can be kind of challenging at times but no, I mean, I've just, I'm, I've been considering putting my house up for sale and trying to rebuild, but, uh, I don't know. I just, you know, you can, you can sell and get a little more out of your property, but man, the cost of building is just, <laughs> just yeah. insane right now. Yeah. And materials are hard to find. Like I, I work for a manufacturer in the HVAC business and, and we're having trouble getting our own stuff like valves and stuff we can't get because it's you know so yeah i imagine if you try to rebuild a house you're probably in the same boat yeah i have i mean a lot of the i'm in the construction trades myself but Mm -hmm. a lot of the contractors i work for you know they're having a tough time getting it so there's no way that just the average joe's gonna you know it's not like i'm gonna call the lumber yard and say hey i need a bunch of like all that stuff's gonna go to their which, which I get it, it should, you know. It, yeah. It's going to go to their commercial accounts or their, you know, the guys that deal with them all the time. But it, it's been a, it's been a struggle. Like we got, I got several houses going on and man, it's certain things are really, really, really tough to get. Yeah. It's a weird time. That's for sure. Yeah. We can't get vehicles at work. Well, man, yeah, the car lots are just freaking. I actually went in the other day to, uh, um, and asked them, you know, I knew it was a joke really, but I went in and I just, it came out, Toyota's got this color, it's called Lunar Rock, which is kind of that off gray. Uh, man, I just really, really, really liked the, the color and, uh, you know, I've always, I've always kind of liked it and, uh, but it came in that, TRD Pro, which is yes. number one, it's a, like a five foot bed and it's, you know, the top of the line, most expensive truck they've got. So yep. 
I uh, this year they came out and offered it in like the I don't think you can get it in like the SR or the SR5, but you know, I can get it in the off road or whatever. Are you looking and, at the uh, Are you looking at Tacomas or Tundras? Tacomas. Yeah, yep. I, I have a Tacoma now. Um, I, I switched and went to a Tacoma here a couple of years ago, and and, uh, and I like it. I got an SR5, which is uh, you know pretty much the bottom of the barrel, but man, it does. It's got everything I need for it to have. Yeah. So, yeah, I got it. I got it in that cement color, which I really, really like it. I, I really do like it, but I, I really like that lunar rock. I would like to have the off-road package. Like I would, I would like to have that. I don't have that right now, but, but, and I write them, you know, I don't have any deductions. So I, I end up, you know, this one's paid for and I just, I, for what they're offering me on it, it's like, man, I'm gonna, I'll do it. Like, if I can, if I can round something up, I, I would. I mean, used cars are going for, especially these Toyotas. Like they, they, they go really well. I, I have a, I have a Tacoma too. I, I've, I'm on my third one right now, and uh, I, I have a, a TRD Sport, and it's five years old. And I went by a used lot last week. And they had the same truck, same year, probably close to the same mileage, and they wanted three grand less than what I paid for it new. And that that blew my mind. I couldn't believe that. No, that's what um, that's uh, you know I actually had a I actually a couple of years ago I had a I had a really really good year, so I I really needed a. Uh, deduction and I told my wife I said man I said I, I really like I procrastinated on it and I'm like oh, I didn't know what to do because I'd always had bigger trucks and so I took my wife and we went looking and all we could find literally on the lot was a was a, a shorter bed that five foot bed well yeah. my wife really liked it I mean she's like I, I like the truck I'm like man I like it I said but that bed is just like it's just too small and uh she's like, Well, do what you want. I'm like, Well but I did kinda like the truck, like it was like way fancier than anything I'd ever had. So I ended up I I'm like, Well, I, you know, I I really need to do this for the end of the year and uh so I ended up trading my Ford off and I bought it and uh and then I paid it off that spring, but uh so I paid it off and it was the short bed and man, when I bought it, I, you know, I kind of felt like I, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm probably going to regret this. So I ended up just by happenstance. I was looking online, you know, I just was kept looking at the trucks and, and I found somebody had traded in pretty much. It was almost the exact same truck I had. It was, uh, had a few more bells and whistles traded it in and um it was the sr5 with the long bed same color like i said pretty much the exact same truck so i just i called the car lot and just told them i said look here's what i got i'm interested in that truck how much so it was like 2800 bucks difference so i i just traded got the bigger bed and uh and actually this truck has got 
the truck I got now has, you know, it must have more on the technology package because it's got, um, it's got a few more bells and whistles that the other one didn't have, but it is still the SR5. Yeah, they're nice. My last one was an SR5. It was, uh, but I had this, my last one was a, a four cylinder five speed. And I was like, ah, ah, screw it. It was, it was cheap and I was, and I was pretty broke and, and, uh, I bought it and, uh, man, that thing was fun. It was like in the snow. I don't know. Like it was a four cylinder, which was kind of rough, but I mean, you didn't notice it with the five speed. It was, it was a ton of fun and that thing would just go in the snow. It was such a sweet truck. Well, I've, I've done a lot. Of, I got a couple of friends out west at Lion Hunt and man, they, they've done like, those Toyotas are, they're those, especially the, you know, you get the, the, uh, the five speed and, uh, and, uh, in those Toyota trucks, especially the way they got them geared and, and the way they got them set up now, man, they go, you know, unless you get them high centered, you're, you're in good shape, but yeah, look at it. And you can move them around pretty easy, you know, jacks yep. and winches and, you know, you, you really can kind of get them out of a get them out of a bind. But no, they, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely nice for that. But yeah, good trucks, man. I like them. I'm happy. But I, I like them when they're paid off. I tell you that. Yeah, that's a huge bonus. I don't like the owing the man. <laughs> one day. Yeah, one day. <laughs> so why don't, why don't you tell us where you're headed? Because it sounds like it's going to be a good weekend. I'm headed down to Texas. Um, I'm going to go down to that top of Texas at Scotty Campbell. Got a uh, ranch down by um, El Paso. And, uh, you know, I'm going to hopefully get to hunt a little bit, but mostly going to be helping them with the just run hunters and stuff like that, you know, doing a little guiding. So it's fun. Is, it, way. is this your first time down there this season, or have you been down already? No, I was down back in September. Yeah, yeah, I was down in September. Were you guiding or hunting? I hunted, um, I was hunting in September and just kind of kicking around. I mean, I, I there's elk on this ranch, and uh, not a lot of them, but there is, um, you know, it's in the Davis Mountains, and there's a you know, kind of a resident herd down there. Um, they're out of New Mexico, I believe. You know, a lot of them have migrated out of New Mexico, but that's uh, de- definitely holds some free-range elk, and and all that down there is private private ranches. Um, and a ranch we hunted on last year was Scotty's first year on it. They told them there was elk there, and we kind of went and just did a little scouting trip last year and uh, we did see elk you know not a not a ton of them but um you know they're kind of sporadic like you gotta you know they're in different nooks and crannies but they're they are free range elk there and and we probably shot the two biggest ones we saw but i mean they weren't they weren't 350, 360, 400 inch bulls, but right. we have found, we have found some racks or some sheds that were, were dang good. I mean, 
So I mean, I, I think they're there for sure. Uh, we haven't we haven't run into one just yet, but I I, I, I know they kill them on the neighboring ranches. So that's wild. You never think got to be there. You'd never think Texas for like elk for Texas, you know. You'd never think that. That's pretty cool. Kind of like Pennsylvania. Yeah, kind of like Pennsylvania. We got some nice bulls here. You got drive for him, but that's uh that's something. Well, I, that's, I need. Uh, those elk down there and <clears throat> those elk down there in to, to in uh you know New Mexico Arizona those are big those elk are big like they they're just they are big animals. I mean I I. I would imagine it's got something to do with the, you know, the, the winters and that aren't like brutally hard as it is yeah. up in, you know, Idaho and Montana and, and the higher elevations in the high country. It's probably a little rougher on them, but man, those, those elk are down there are big. Yeah. They're hard to get tags for too, aren't they? Sure. Don't they have a bunch of trophy well, units? Uh, yeah, uh, New New Mexico and Arizona can be definitely can be challenging. I mean, that's the one thing about down here in Texas. I mean, it's a free free range elk, but there's technically there's no elk season. So, you know, the the, the ranches, most of the ranches, most of the ranches in Texas, you know, if they're big ranches and they are leasing out the hot those ranches are really well managed. Like they, you know, with the Audad and the, the deer and, and all that, they do a lot of, uh, you know, they they definitely do a lot of predator control and um, and uh, you know try to keep the predators down and and do as much as they can to manage the herds. You know, whatever it is. I mean, they manage for there's a the same ranch that I'm on, it gets, uh, I don't know, they get these huge EMA or quality deer management, um, tags from the state of Texas for, for the mule deer, but, you know, there's some nice mule deer on this, I mean, this ranch has got some nice mule deer. And they just don't shoot them, you know, they don't, they don't just shoot the crud out of them. So that's what it takes, you know, I mean, control the predators and, and don't, you know, wipe wipe everything out. You know, I mean, they're trying to. I I want to say they get six six to eight, maybe seven to ten. I don't know tags every year. They don't try to. Um, you know, they try to take that three and a half plus year old age structure. So you've all you know you've always got mature animals to hunt, which which is kind of what it takes. But. You know, these ranches are, you know, 120, 40, 50,000 acres. You know, they're huge. Damn. Now, that's one of those places where I know, I think the Audads, I mean, if you draw blood, that's your animal, even if you don't get it, right? Yeah. You know, most places, it, I mean, that's not just there. I mean, most hunts you go on, you know, when you go on a guided hunt, that's pretty much standard. That's pretty much a standard, um, Anywhere you'd go, I mean, you go black bear hunting up in Canada, you know, there's places that you can shoot two bears, but if you wound one, that's, that's a bear for you. So most guided hunts nowadays, if you, if you draw blood, you, they consider it a, a dead animal. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, I can see the logic wanna... in it. I mean. No, I mean it's 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 <clears throat> it's good and bad. It makes you think twice as hard before you start bending them and sending them. <laughs> um, you know, it really does. Uh, which which is good. You know, I mean, it would, probably would be nice if uh, if that's the way it worked on public land and everything else. Like you, you, you know, I've always said. I mean, especially with recurves. I mean, recurves are very very deadly, but I don't. You know, my view for hunting is they are a close-range weapon. So, I mean, what I say by that is, you know, you may be extremely effective at 40, 50. I mean, you may be effective at longer distances than that. But my view is there's a lot more. The the odds of wounding an animal with a recurve at those distances goes up exponentially. Like it's just not... Hunting white-tailed deer. I mean, you can hunt white-tailed deer in October are not the same, are not the same after they've been hunted for three months and you start getting the late season. They just, yeah. they're, they're jumpier, they're touchier, they're, they're, they're gonna react and, and they can do a, they can, they can do some tremendous acrobat at 20 yards if they're spooked or whatever and and it just is what it is so i mean it's they don't so at 40 yards again you can you can imagine what kind of disaster it would be if they and you could be the again you can be the best shot in the world at 40 yards but it doesn't really make any difference if the animal's not standing where you're where you're shooting yeah I mean, at 40 yards, you can practically have a conversation in the time that arrow's flying. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, my, I know my bow specifically does not shoot faster than the speed of sound. And, uh, you know, you can try to get your, your bow tuned and get everything set up to where you're shooting. It's as quiet as quiet can be, but it just doesn't make any difference. Like, they're... You know, their sense of smell and their sense of their hearing is is at a level that I don't think humans can really comprehend. You know, they they can smell and they can hear at a level that's that, that we don't I, I don't think humans really understand. I, yeah. I mean I just man, I mean and, and late season when you're chasing animals late season, you really if you if you watch them you can really, really see that. Like the smallest little, the, the smallest sound, you can just look at them and usually tell that they are reacting to it. Yeah, they're you move really your, cracked out. Oh, yeah. 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 And they're, they're, you know, I mean, that's, you know, they can get out there and be feeding in a, in a acorn drop or a tree limb you know, something hit the ground and you can just see them tense up and get ready. Like they, they do, you could just see it in their body that they're, they're on edge. So yeah, there's a major difference. 
There's a major difference between the years of- archery season and late season here in Pennsylvania. That's for damn sure. Yeah, we had um, a couple of years ago. I had a uh, I had a buck that I wanted to shoot late season, and and I had seen him a couple times. And um, this particular evening, uh, he came out and. He had always kind of fed across this one side of the field, and I just couldn't get, like, I could get over there, but I just, I would, he'd probably bust me the first time I hunted the other side of the field just because of the way the wind kept blowing and, and the way he was coming into it, going out. It just, uh, and I didn't want to screw it up, so I kept um, hunting him out of this one stand and one evening he come out and he turned and there was a couple crossings that I, I, you know felt like he'd take it in or out of the field and that's where I was trying to shoot him at and he turned and he he was in the field and he turned and he started walking straight towards me and he he literally got within 15 15 yards of me and all I did was a I started, I was trying to anticipate which side of the tree I thought he was going to come on. And so when he came over, I was watching him and he kind of committed, he kind of committed to my left side. So I had to turn one way or the other to get in a position to shoot him. And he was definitely close, but it was, again, it was January. And I, ever so slightly turned on that stand and my like the boots I wear late season are those big you know those they're big kind of like pack boots and they got those like air bobs or those lugs on the soles well one of those lugs as I turned had, had got in uh, like the mesh on the stand and it just made a small little king like when I like when I like one of them, those lugs got down in that, and as I turned, it kind of just, just man, it wasn't much. Like it was not much, and that deer, like the minute it heard it, like it went into like it was already extremely alert. It's like it what took it right to another level, and what it did was, you know, my and most big deer, they don't. They're not going to continue on usually if, if they get spooked. It's like they know where they came from was safe. So it's like they just, you know, they, their safety mechanism, I think, is to retreat to where they came from. Like they don't go forward if they think that, you know, if they feel like that there's, there's danger or something's not just right, they don't just continue on. You know, a lot of times they'll, They'll turn and go back the way they came. And man, that's exactly what he did. As soon as he heard that, and he was close, like he was, he was 15 yards, you know, 12 yards. I mean, he was, he was definitely within, within range. And he turned and that was that. Never seen him again. So it's funny you say that. The moment you started talking about the soles on your boot, I knew exactly where you were going because I can't say how many times that's happened to me in the stand and gone, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> Squeak. Yeah, a little ting as your freaking boots yeah. 
catches the edge of a. Well, and I don't think that would have never happened. Uh, got like that, that same scenario. Shoot, in uh, September, November. Nah, wouldn't it, would I don't. I mean, it was so mild. It was so. It was extremely. When it's cold and still, it seems like it. You know, it's like any little thing they hear. But if you got you know, a little bit of a breeze or you got some leaves rustling or a little bit, little bit of ambient noise, you know, some of those, that type of, those type of noises can get covered. But again, late season, you know, you add that they're, that they're just wired, like they're, they're at a, just a totally different level than they are, you know, were two months earlier. It, it's, man, you know, those mistakes end up costing. Yeah, I think we've all got caught with that one. <laughs> so, so uh, what's your what's your all dad season been like this year? What what um you got down there in September? Did you just guided? You said I I elk hunted. I went oh, you down the September the September um, the September trip is usually just elk. Is usually elk. Yeah, it's usually elk. I mean, we're we're after elk, and uh, I ended up shooting an elk, and uh, then after that, I, I hunted Audad for a few days and and got on a few. I, I actually had a couple really really good opportunities at rams, but I shot a really good ram last not last year, but the year before. So not this past September, but the September before, or, uh, 2020, I shot a, um, which was the first year that we hunted that ranch. I did the same thing. I shot an elk and then Scotty shot an elk. And, uh, after that, I, I hunted Audad and, and Havelina and just kind of kicked around and I ended up shooting a really, really nice ram that year. So this past year, Again, I, I had a couple opportunities at Rams, but Rams are much more expensive than, than <laughs> use are. <laughs> so, you know, if I had, if I had Schaefer's money, I would have, I would have shot the Rams. <laughs> yeah, I doubt and that. I <laughs> Maybe in your dreams. No. <laughs> What's their season go? Is it, is there, is there a closed season or are they, how's that work? No, it's, no, it's, it's again, it's kind of ranch management. Like, it's, oh, okay. Uh, so Texas is weird. They, Texas they, is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Texas is the animals are. Um, I mean, I mean, their state like turkey, deer, mule deer. Like, if there's a season and the state regulates it, it becomes a little different. But you know, on exotics, which Audad are, are under the exotic class, it's again, it's the ranch that that kind of kind of deciphers you know how many you can take and what you can take and and i know the ranch that 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 i've hunting on is phenomenal like like it's not a it's not that you're not going to find all dead because they're there and there's a lot of them and they've done like they they have adapted extremely well and they have done i mean it's it's tremendous, but they are extremely hard. Like they're not, they're not easy animals to hunt with a bow for sure. Like I, I'm hunting them with a recurve, which I think is 
extremely hard, but even with a compound, they're, they're still, they're still a challenge. Like they are, it's, it's a legitimate hunt. They are, they're tough animals. They, they can see, they can hear, they can smell and, and they use all their senses. And, and usually you have more than one to deal with. So it definitely can be a challenge getting, you know, for me getting some 25 yards from them to, to shoot them. It's, it's a, it's, it's a chore for sure, but it's fun. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a good time. It looks awesome. And they've done, they've done really well. Like, uh, I, I think Texas is even up. I've hunted them up in the panhandle as well. And, uh, and, and they, the Audad have, have absolutely adapted to life in Texas. Where, where are they so originally I, from? Where the, do you know where they originally come from? I want to say, I mean, some, somewhere, somewhere over in, uh, I know that there's red sheep. I know the red sheep, I think, comes from Iran or. Yeah, I was going to say like Middle East area. or something, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. The, the bar, the sheep came from somewhere in Africa, some, somewhere over. I'm not, I don't know. I mean, that's. Yeah, no, that's. I don't, I have no clue, but they weren't, they're not native here. They were brought over and, and have definitely proliferated. Um, to a point where they're they're here, and I don't think they're getting rid of them. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like they're picking up steam with uh, being attractive to hunters. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just because Aaron Snyder's posting it all the time and and you and stuff, but it seems like now I see more and more people going. Well, I think uh, some of it is um, it, it is a legitimate hunt. Like it really is. Uh, it, it is legitimate. They're, they're super super cool animals uh, and it's a it's a it's a challenge i mean i can't speak to a lot of i can't speak to a lot of places but i know the places that i've hunted with scotty at top of texas he's, he he does have a ranch up in uh up in the panhandle that he hunts and it's it's cool as well like it's up in the uh, kind of the uh, edges of the paladuro canyon which which is a big, you know, it's a canyon that runs through, runs up through, up there in the panhandle. And it's, and it's almost like the Grand Canyon. Like you get over on the edges of it and it is, it's super, it's super cool country. Like it really is. Like it, and then again, those, those all dad get in that canyon and, they, you know, they get down in the canyon and, you know, come up on the top and eat in the hay fields and stuff like that. But it's, it it is it's fun it's it's for sure fun hunting them um free, you know free range it's it's a good time i don't I, I know texas has got a lot of you know i think you can do a little bit of everything in texas you know they have free range and then they've got the i guess the fence hunts as well but free range for our dad is is a challenge and a and a good time and i know down there in the the ranch that we're hunting on down in south southern Texas, south Texas, it gets cool. Like it's cool in the morning, but man, it's you know you get noon, uh, you know you get noon midday, and the weather's really nice. It's really it's it's enjoyable. Like it 
really is. Yeah, it looks like a super challenging and fun hunt. The, and and the train does look just awesome. It looks cool. Oh, it is, and it's reasonable. I mean, the the ewes are the ewes are, are it's a reasonable hunt, and and some of those ewes look pretty good. Like I got to be honest with you, I have a tough time. Uh, I have a tough time judging them some, at times. Like a a big ewe and a small ram, I I I get a little nervous on. I mean, the big rams, there's no doubt. Like you you get to the the big the the big rams stand out like just their their body their demeanor their their horns i mean it's uh it's there's no question but the ewes can be so because some of those ewes look pretty good especially the the older ones oh yeah i'm sure if you start comparing you know if you want to go on a sheep hunt in the united states you start comparing prices and whatnot odd dad's going to be significantly cheaper and that might be part of the draw to them. There's, there's really no comparison. <laughs> like I, don't, like I mean, as far as bighorn sheep and and um, you know, bighorn sheep and or any of the bighorn desert, you know, dow sheep, stone sheep. I mean, any of those are are they're expensive hunts. I mean, they're just you know, above above and beyond what what. For sure, out of my class, I mean, I can't, I can't swing forty, fifty thousand dollars, you know, for for a sheep hunt. Yeah, I'd be so in some serious trouble. Draw, <laughs> yeah, the only option is draw, draw a tag and go hunt them. You know, get lucky enough to draw a tag, but but yeah, the audad are a, are a viable option. That is that, and I I kind of feel like that's what the allure is. But they are, they are again, they are. From what I've, my experience with them, they are no joke. Like it's, like it is a ton of fun and it is a, it is absolutely a challenge. It would be nice if they were, it would be nice if they were a little better table fare. Like I, I don't think there's any comparison between bighorn sheep and, and Audad, but you know, the, uh, I mean, the audit I've had have been the flavor of the meat's not bad, and and it is edible. But uh, it, you get into the older rams or the bigger ones, and they can be a little bit, a little bit on the tough side. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was wondering how they ate. Um, yeah. Well, they're you know those things, those rams, those big rams are are you know ten plus years old. You know, 10, 12, 14, wow. you know, they're, so it takes a, it takes a few years for those rams to get, you know, in that 28 plus inch range. Yeah. I mean, a 30 inch ram is a, is a nice one. You know, you start getting up in the 31, 32s, you know, bigger than that. They're, those are good, good sheep, but I'm, I'm really no, you guys are asking me a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm really no sheep. I'm really no expert sheep hunter. Like I'm, I, I know what I've experienced down here, but yeah, no, we're just picking your brain because I mean it's something we don't. I mean I doubt I'll ever get into. So it's cool to hear something different like that. Um, and comparing you, us, you are an expert. Yeah, so yeah, you've definitely it's all <laughs> in the scheme of who you're talking to. Well, I mean that's uh, that is uh, 
you got a point there, I guess. <laughs> but it, it is it's, it is a fun, uh, you know. I mean, I mean, you can go do the hunt, and again, the U hunts are extremely affordable. And you know what else can you you know you can do it in? Again, this is kind of the off season. Yeah, seriously. March, April, like this is, you know, it's not during, you know, elk season or, you know, moose hunts. You know, moose hunts are over, elk hunts are, I mean, pretty much your September, October, November hunting, what you'd, what you'd hunt in the fall is pretty much over. So, man, this, I mean, it's a cool option for sure. Definitely. Well, let's, let's change gears. How, how was your, your regular season? What'd you get into this year? I shot that elk. I shot that elk. I want to say our our deer season comes in the first, so I think I shot that elk somewhere. I'm usually down there the 26th, 7th, 8th, 9th, uh, through like the first week in September. So, or the first week in October, excuse me. And uh, I shot that elk down there. And just kind of hung out, you know. My dad hunted and. Once I got back home, obviously deer season had come in and I don't, usually I'm, you know, if I take it, I've learned and I've learned this from experience, but the older I've got, I usually, like if I, my wife's really, really good about letting me go and stuff like that. But if I go and hunt really, really hard in September, you know, traveling, gone out of state. And then once I come home, I, I kind of take it easy a little bit early October. Like I will hunt, but I don't, I, I usually spend time with her and kind of, and then I, that'll allow me to be able to really hit it hard. You know, once the end of October gets there and, you know, up through November, she's, she's a lot more, she's a lot more forgiving, I guess you'd say. Yeah, you got to build vacation time up both for work and your spouse. Yes, that's a good approach. Yeah, for me, it's uh, I'm worried about the spouse, not the vacation time. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, you know, a happy a happy wife is a happy life. That is a true statement. Yeah, that's for sure the case when you're hunting for sure. But again, my wife is super super, and she don't she goes with me. We got a uh, I, I have a small farm. And, and we got a place on it and we'll go up there and spend, I mean, she'll go with me. I just don't, when she, you know, when she goes, we'll, you know, go out to eat, just kind of hang out, you know, got to go do kind of stuff she wants to do. And she lets me, I mean, she's, again, she's good about it. I just don't, you know, get going crazy on the, on the whitetail hunting. And, and it, it doesn't really make any, like I, get to go out and scout i kind of know a lot of the spots that i i've hunted i've hunted them for years of the spots that i know it's like i i kind of have done even better just waiting for those spots to get really really good like there's no sense in going like if i go hunt there's certain spots that i don't really hunt much in in october and it's just because i don't want to I don't want to burn them out. I don't want to go in there. I just, I just kind of leave them alone. And, and man, it's paid big dividends because, you know, I'll, I'll go in there once the, uh, you know, when the rut starts to get good, which is usually November 1st through the, to the 10th, 
12th, you know, 15th in our area. But that pre-rut in October, at the end of October, can be really, really good too. So usually that's when, I mean, I'll kind of do a little, you know, use October, early October for, yeah, I do a little hunting, but pretty much just kind of doing a little scout and trying to get a game plan together and then, and then hit it hard and, uh, you know, from like the last 20, you know, 21st, 22nd of, uh, October on, I usually am going pretty good. And, you know, it's, it's always seemed to work out, work out. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not a trophy hunter. I will tell you that. Like I, I I'm, or at least I haven't, I don't feel like I am. I mean, there was a lot of years that I, you know, I shot what, what I felt like shooting and was happy with it. But the last probably six, seven, eight, ten years, you know, I've changed just a little bit. And, uh, and I really, I think the only thing it has to do with is I've just shot so many. I've just shot so many deer that, that I get two buck tags and I don't, I don't, you know, if I shoot a deer and I have to put a buck tag on it, I want it to be something that I, you know, really wanted to hunt. And then if, if that happens in early November, then I've got two months, you know, two and a half months to go and I've only got one buck tag left. So I really get picky on the second one. And, you know, if it, you know, I don't have to fill it. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if, I don't think, I don't, I deer hunt really, really hard. And I have a lot, a lot, of, a lot of opportunities at deer. I just don't, not, I don't have anything to prove at this point. Like I'm, I'm beyond, kind of beyond that. Like I don't, you know, I, I come home, I got an elk two freezers full of elk and, and, and all dad and, and deer. And, you know, do I need to shoot 15, 16, 20 deer? No, I mean, I don't, but it's just the, I mean, I'm, I'm past that age. If that makes any sense. Like I just, I mean, there was a time when I was younger that I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of killing. I mean, it's, it's just no, like I filled the, I filled a lot of, Filled all the tags I had and I was, you know, pretty, pretty efficient at it. So, you know, I, I, I definitely understand, you know, guys getting into it and have it. I mean, you become a, I think the older you get or the more you're, you hunt, you know, things end up changing on you. You know, I mean, I, I like to hunt. Like I just, I, I like it. I, I, I like to shoot my bow so that and and practice to become better so I can be kind of better in the tree stand but but I really like and love to hunt i I shoot my bow and practice because i you know it's it's gonna make me better at the what I really like to do yeah so, that that sounds in line with <laughs> us definitely i mean we we love to shoot, but we're shooting for hunting season. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's no question that there's this day and age, and I didn't grow up on it. Like I didn't, I didn't. There, there was not a lot of, 
there was not as much information out there nowadays as there was when I grew up. And, you know, so I mean, I kind of learned off the guys that I hung around with and the stuff I, you know, did was, uh, you know, they seemed to do it. It seemed to work for them. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've definitely learned by trial and error as well, you know, that all this just don't work. I need to change this. And I've, you know, got my own little techniques, you know, are they techniques? Is it stuff that, that I should be out giving seminars and teaching other people's? No, probably not. You know, there's a lot of guys that are out there now that are way more in depth and it's better information. But, uh, you know, I still, you can become, I mean, you can practice. You can get as much head knowledge as you want and you can become a really, really good shot. But I don't, this may be extremely controversial and you may want to edit it out, but standing out, shooting, winning gold medals and shooting animals to me is an entirely different process. I don't think that's controversial. I think that's accurate. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't have said it because I, if I didn't think it was totally accurate. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, targets I, don't I, move, man. Absolutely. Well, targets don't move. And, you know, you're, I mean, I know why I, you know, I went down the road. The, I mean, I used to shoot 300 rounds and, and was actually pretty good at it. You know, I, mean, I shot the stabilizers and the scopes and this, that, and the other. And I yeah. shot, you know, 298, 299s. I never shot a clean 300, but. I mean, I still could shoot. I, I was shooting at 20 yards that well, but, but there was guys that shot, that I shot much, much better at that shot that when I shot those rounds, they weren't as, I could outshoot them on the range, but in the woods, I could, they, they always, they did something that I wanted to do and I couldn't do it. So that, that was probably, you know, I ended up kind of changing early on. Um, you know, I shot a compound and, you know, cambos and this, that, and the other. I mean, of course, compounds in the 80s, much different than compounds in the, the yeah. you know, today. Did, did like you start off with a compound? I did. I shot, I actually shot two deer with a compound. I shot a, my first doe. And, uh, and then I shot my first buck with a compound. So I shot two deer and then, and have not, haven't shot an animal with a compound, with a compound. You know, I mean, I've shot recurves pretty much my whole life. I what, mean, I, after I shot those two deer and everything else is done with recurves. What made you switch? What made, like, was it just, what happened? Well, that, that is what, I mean, the reason I switched was because, again, the guys that I was hanging around with, shooting with at that time were, were much better in the field than I was. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, I mean, I, you know, looking back at it, they were kind of hillbillies. Like they were, <laughs> like they, when, we, when we'd go shoot, yeah, yeah, they were, they were grenade. Oh, you know, I mean, I, and they knew it, you know, I mean, a lot of those guys that, that I hung around with, like they, they knew the difference and they, you know, would try to tell me, of course I was, 
you know, that was back when I was in my 20s. You know, I knew everything. Were they? Were they all shooting stick bows, or were they shooting uh, compounds too? No, some of them. I mean, some of them shot. Some of them shot compounds and kind of went bounce back and forth, but but uh, uh, most of them did shoot recurve. Okay, so That's you had a little bit of influence I, there. Yeah, yeah, a lot of influence, and uh, and they were, you know, they always did cool stuff too. You know, they they went out to Colorado and they'd go elk hunting, and and they, you know, were going up to Canada and they were doing. They were kind of doing the stuff that I really liked. I mean, they were hunters. They, yeah. that's kind of what they did. And, and they were effective with the bows that they were using. So at, at that time, there wasn't like compound recurve. There wasn't quite as big a, I don't think there was as big a gap as there is today. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you had a compound back in the eighties and you were shooting, consistently at 40 yards well i mean that's that's really 40 50 yards that's not i remember guys that have you know a 20 yard pin a 30 yard pin and a 40 yard pin and that was kind of a big deal you know if they could get out to 40 yards but but nowadays it's 100 yards is nothing well it is something because they got to at a target i should say at a target 100 yards is nothing well, the equipment will do it. It's just yeah. can the can the uh, can the guy behind it do it? And that's you know it's they think they the can. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, we've we've all uh, you know we've all had that visit from the good idea fairy that, and, and then <laughs> you know we 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 come back to reality. So I mean, that's I don't know. I mean, it's I think. Hunting becomes a much, like you have to be confident with your equipment and you have to be like, like I'm all for getting your arrows tuned up. I'm all for getting your broadheads sharpened up. I'm all for practicing and becoming good and competent with your equipment. But at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, there's certain decisions that you make in the woods that, that aren't the same, that you know, are going to be the difference between, you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And, and I, I, for me, my mind, I'm fairly simple. Like I, the simpler it is when I'm hunting, the less that I feel like is going to go wrong. Like I'm totally comfortable in what my equipment will do, what I need to do, where I need to place that arrow. And now it's going about, you know, and getting that, like that's my goal. Whereas the more you have in your mind to make all that happen, I think the more in those high pressure situations, the more guys, I mean, we all know guys that have got, and, and I've seen it, I've seen it a gazillion times, you know, guys will have a, they'll be on the range. They're deadly, like 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. You know, I have those pins. Well, they got pins. And man, you hear it all the time where a guy goes out and puts his 20 yard pin on a deer that's 40. And, and yeah. so there's a lot more in that process that has to happen to be effective in the woods. And, you know, it's standing at the range, you know, ranging the target, knowing how it is, not being, not really being pressured to make that shot. Well, and you can pull it off and make it, 
you know, if you're out sitting in a tree stand and you're, you know, you've been sitting there for two hours looking at the same squirrel, you know, eating the same acorn, you know, and just kind of daydreaming, and all of a sudden you look down and, you know, there's a 140, 50-inch buck standing there and you've never shot a 140, 50-inch buck, man, your mind goes haywire. You know, I mean, you... you I was say, I really related until you mentioned that part of it. well you're you're practicing i guess look at it that way you're getting some good practice then yeah that's too funny you know you spend a lot of you know a guy you spend a lot of time in the woods in the tree or in the woods hunting and and we actually spend very little time shooting arrows at animals you know, if you think if you think about it, it you, you know, you spend a lot of time in the woods, you know, hunting and very, 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 very little time actually sh- shooting animals. And and that's so. So it becomes very hard to get that you know, kind of get get that experience. And when you, you know, mess up, it's a it's it hurts. I mean, and and. And every anybody that's done anybody that that you perceive, you know, I, I talk about the traditional community, but anybody in the traditional community that you perceive or that has taken a lot of animals has been very very successful. Well, most of most of all the guys that I know have spent a spent a tremendous amount of time in the woods hunting. Whether that's deer, turkey, elk, whatever, like they just have got tons and tons and tons of field time. And, you know, most of them have had enough success that they've, you know, they've kind of got their, their, their mental game is, is, you know, they, they can kind of get through all those situations, not making some of the mistakes that you make in the beginning. And, and, but, but all the, most of the guys that have been super, super successful all started where other guys want to be. Does that make sense to you or? Yeah, I think guys who are super successful now have probably had a whole lot of experience. With experience comes wisdom. And I mean, I'm sure they've missed their fair share of animals. They've made their mistakes and they've learned from them. And now they're at a point where they're, they've got their stuff dialed. That, that, that pretty much on point. Pretty much. I mean, there's, uh, you know, it's, I will say this, and again, it's not, like I've hunted with different guys, and I've, I mean, I do, I hunt by myself much better than I hunt with anybody else because I get along with myself in the woods. I, I don't, I'm not trying to make a, a arrogant statement, but when I'm in the woods, you know, I, even if I make a bad decision, I don't beat myself up over it. You know, if, if you make a bad decision or the wrong move with me, then I have somebody to blame. So I, I usually do a lot better in the woods by myself. I, I can, I can agree with that. Uh, I feel the same way. I, I have a friend I hunt with that drives me crazy sometimes. Well, what, where I was going with that is, um, I mean, I've hunted with guys and I've hunted with some tremendous, I mean, and, and I've hunted with some younger guys that really, 
that are very, very good. I mean, very cagey, very going to be very probably better hunters, a uh, better hunter than I am. Like I've hunted with some guys in their twenties. I mean, some of these guys are there's some guys out there that really, really are going to be great, good hunters. Like the you know the generation coming up, but you know j- just because I can throw a baseball does not make me a professional baseball player. Like, you, you know, you, everybody has a skill set and, and some, you know, I mean, I can fix my lawnmower. I can't think and fix an airplane. Like my skill set is, is what it is. And guys that go hunting, they're skill, you know, some guys have a, it, some guys are faster learners and, and have a different skill set when it comes to hunting and they, they progress some guys just don't you know i mean that's not it's not good or bad it's not me judging it's just there, there are there's, there's a mindset there and that mindset is is you don't find it in every everybody that hunts does that make sense Absol- that, I mean, yeah, I'm absolutely not trying to it exclude does. anybody or, or try to you know i mean we can all try to get better but it's what you you know, I learn a lot of stuff from guys. I mean, I'm 55 years old, but there's a lot of stuff that I will pick up with, with guys that are, you know, that have as much hunting experience or more hunting experience or, you know, that are, you know, I'll pick stuff up from them. Like, man, I never thought about doing this that way. Or, you know, you get guys that are hunting different in different areas or different terrain. Like, I'm always picking I've never been on a sheep hunt. I've never, you know, I, I've been on a lot of elk hunts, but I don't consider myself an elk hunter. Like I, I take my patience and my sheer, you know, determination and drive to the mountains and then try to find the elk and get, you know, get 20 yards of them and shoot them. Like it's, I don't really have a, like, same way with turkeys. Like I don't consider myself a turkey hunter, but, I go to the woods. I can, I can say enough to them that that I can quite possibly get them called in, and and it's worked for me in the past, and I'm confident with it. Confident with it, but I think the sheer determination will take you a long way. I, I'll, I'll relate that back to this year. Like you had asked me how my year went. Well, I shot one deer. It was a it was a nice buck. It was a buck I'd seen a couple times. And I did want to shoot him. I mean, he was, I was tickled with the deer, but I shot that deer, but I shot the deer at 1230 in the afternoon. Like most guys, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be out there hunting. Yeah. I say most guys Nobody, are halfway through a turkey sandwich. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and I get it. I, 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 I sure understand it. Now, you know, I shot that deer. I shot him at 1230 on the, I don't know, the third, fourth, I don't even know. It was, it was early November. Uh, it may, might have been the, the first somewhere in there, but it was early, early November. I had, had seen him a little bit prior to this and, uh, and ended up shooting him. But I had hunted, you know, the, the week before that, I had done several all day sit, you know, so. So I shot him at noon, but man, I'd already had, I'd already had probably four or five, 
sets up to that point that were all theirs. I mean, just, I mean, I'll, I, I will hunt all day as long as the conditions are right. There's times I'll go to a stand, I'll hunt it, but once the conditions, you know, a wind changed or something like that, once that changes, then I have to change. Yeah. But, but usually that get down, go to another stand and go right back to it. So it's, it's, you know, I'm going down, I'm going to go to another, I don't, I don't go home, you know, that time of year. So time in the woods and persistence has been, you know, that's, that's probably my secret sauce. Yeah, I've, I've been that guy that's that's pulled out at 11.30 and go and had lunch, meet, met a friend or something like that, and then come back for like the 2 o'clock. And in the last probably three years, I stopped doing that. When I go hunting, it's an all-day sit. And just for instance, this year I killed my buck at 1.30 in the afternoon. I probably wouldn't have been there three years ago, four years ago. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, think, I think the more time you spend, obviously the more opportunity you're going to get, right? Well... That and uh, again, that that kind of becomes that learning lesson. You know, I've I've shot so many deer at that ten thirty eleven. Like I've shot some really really nice deer at eleven eleven. I mean, I enough that enough that if I get up in the morning, if I if I have to get up and go work or go do something, and I can't get to my stand, I don't have a bit of problem going out and hunting you know, nine to two, like I, I don't, it just doesn't like, just because I wasn't out there, you know, two hours before daybreak doesn't mean I'm not going to go to that stand and, and hunt. Um, so, or, or, you know, go to a stand that I think is in a, I mean, most of my stands are in travel corridors and stuff like that. I mean, I, a lot of small pieces so i mean i can't you know there might be bedding areas or there might be areas i want to be the problem is i don't have permission to be on those properties so i i have to hunt them you know doing what they do yeah and i i don't i mean i i think too um i mean there's a lot of times that time of year i will hunt there's specific farms that you know, there's there's one farm that I have that's a small, small piece of property, but the property next to them gets just hammered during hunting season. So I know every year that, you know, come the 1st of November, you know, there's a 100, 150 acres that pretty much is set, you know, with, with no hunting pressure at all. And come November 1st, you know, there's going to be five or six guys in there and they'll be, you know walking around setting stands and doing this well they're going to move deer and and you know it's I've, I've had it happen more often than not you know where they get in there and they get to doing stuff and they're going to they're going to have deer moving around and you know if i'm on a travel corridor that's either an escape route or a, somewhere that they're traveling they, they will they will push them by you i mean you know and then that's usually the time that they're out in the woods hanging stands and doing whatever they're going to do is, is, you know, midday. So I, I try to use that as a, you know, maybe an advantage, but it doesn't work all the time, but it, it's worked enough that I keep doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So what's, what's, 
I mean, besides like like we were talking about like all day sits and and, and things like that. What what's something you've learned that really kind of stuck out to you and it was like a big like uh like an accomplishment like a something you learned after hunting for a few years that that really helped your improvement something maybe like a uh, an aha moment yeah like an aha moment what's what's something that sticks out to you for, pertaining to whitetails oh man um <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to throw that one at you <laughs> here's a no, flaming I, bag I, of I, shit I, catch it <laughs> i don't know if i've had i mean Again, for me, you know, I, I mean, I've said this in the past. You got to want to want, you know, if you, you know, if you, if, if you want to be out there, then and you're enjoying it, then then that's really all that matters. I mean, for me, I don't, I don't know about an aha moment. I just know that I really, really like to hunt, and uh, and usually my aha moment is. When I'm sitting in a stand and a, you know, 140 plus inch deer comes walking by, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, no, I don't know if, I know there's something that I've learned that, that's really, really changed my game. I mean, I think the, the patience and, and I absolutely, the one thing that I do not do is I do not, I do not try to fake, fake deer out. Like I don't try to fake their nose out. I don't try to, um, I just don't do that. Like I just hunt them. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't really, I don't have like a secret sauce. You know, my secret sauce is spend a lot of time out there. The more times, the more field time I have, most likely the more successful I'm going to be, you know, trying, it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. You know, it is, it is fun to go out and scout areas and, and, but you can do all that and, you might not still be hunting that hunting an area. I, I, let's see. Here's what I would say. Probably the one aha moment I have is I don't ever hunt. If I go and scout an area and look at something, you know, I may see rubs, I may see scrapes, I may say like so. I I go look at something, and in my mind, I I've think that I've figured out what I think is, think is going on by the sign that I'm looking at. But I never get so caught up in it that, that like, that I think that I'm right. Like if I see, and, and what I mean by that is if I see deer sign and I see stuff, I think they're working up and down this ridge. I always hunt stands. The wind that I think that that, that stand needs to be hunted I always try to hunt at three sets. So I try to hunt three mornings and three evenings. And that's, that probably is the biggest, like the biggest, that, that's helped me a ton. Like the, the first time you go sit a stand, most likely is the best. Like if you hunt the same stand every day for three months, they figure something out. They yeah, you just stink say, them out. Yeah. Something yeah. I mean, you're going to eventually, bump them move them and they're gonna adjust just because of mm-hmm. the pressure you're putting on them but when i go scouting i'll try to figure it out and then i usually try to give it three morning sets or three evening sets and you know there's a lot of stands that i have thought that were good morning set and i end up seeing all my deer in the evening so uh i don't know maybe 
set your set your pride aside and and uh, and, and hunt. I, I don't I don't really have a you know it's, for me it's always going to get back to time in the woods yeah. and you know just kind of enjoying it and and keep 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 hammering it out. Can't shoot them from the couch. True story. No, no, you can't. You, I mean, I don't. As far as again, as far as for equipment or this, that, and the other, like uh, I mean, a uh, you know, tree sticks that get me in a tree and a tree stand that holds me up. That you know, I'm good. I don't. I, you know, I don't. I don't have any equipment. There's nothing. You know, I mean, I love good equipment. You know, good binoculars, but I, you know. Just something that you know, if you're hunting sheep and elk and goats and stuff that you're, you know, be, be doing a lot of glassing. And I, I use my binoculars more whitetail hunting than I do actually on, you know, some hunts that I'm strictly glassing. Like I use my binoculars in a ton sitting in a tree stand. Like, I mean, I just, and a lot of guys, you know they don't put that much uh, put that much emphasis on you know hunting in the, in for whitetail using using glasses or using uh, binoculars and I think it's I, man I couldn't do without it really. Yeah, I definitely utilize like the can, crap out of those. Yeah, I mean you can see much more. I mean even at thirty, forty, fifty yards through the woods, you can pick stuff apart. You can yep. you can really dissect your surroundings and and uh, you know i don't i mean i've looked at rubs you know like like i know where rubs are and scrapes are man i've sat in a tree stand and i'll look at those rubs or scrapes trying to you know get daylight or whatever and something doesn't look the same as it did the day before or, you know there's a tree that looks like it's been you know maybe rubbed or, or what have you but yeah. I didn't answer your, your didn't give no, you that's, the, that's a the solid answer. Sauce. <laughs> there is, I don't think there is a secret sauce to hunting, man. That's 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 a you're chasing an animal. Things are going to change. There's not a whole lot. You, you you're not going to dial it in. It's it, I think I think you hit it pretty much on the head. You're learning as you go. You're observing. You're you're figuring out what you get handed at each day. It makes sense. Well, and yeah, I, I mean that's it is. You know, you can hunt. Uh, you know, I mean, I've been on a lot of hunts that, quite honestly, I've been on a lot of hunts that, oh, man, I just really didn't think. It's like, man, I'm probably going to go home and add this tag to my box of, you know, my box of experience tags. And, but, you know, within, you know, five minutes later, you're, you're peeling that tag off, putting it on an animal. Like it can yeah. happen that, it can happen that quick. Like it literally, can uh, you know things can you know things can turn around in in seconds? Absolutely. Like, I bet everybody's experienced yeah. that. They're having the crappiest day, and then bam, there's your deer, and it's on the ground. That's that's the best part of it. I've gotten to the point when you're having a crappy day, I'm almost looking forward to hunting. It seems to be like the huh. Have a crappy day. I'm gonna get a deer today. That's just it. Just seems like the day. Just sitting in the woods <laughs> is, is is a nice change. Oh, yeah. You know, just just getting out there and just sitting is is cool. You got you got to enjoy that part too. And if if you're not, you're kind of missing it. 
Well, and that's, uh, again, that's, again, I don't, I, you know, when it comes to shooting, I, I like to shoot my bow. I like to go out and, you know, I mean, I shoot with, you know, shoot in my backyard, shoot when I can. I, I, but I, as far as traveling around and going to shoots and doing stuff, yeah, I like to go to them, but kind of like talking to all my friends and just like I, I'm, I'm more there to, you know, just kind of, hear their hunt stories and kind of what they were doing and catching up and you know yeah we do some shooting but you know to shoot to shoot competitively i would i'd be kicked off the range like i, I just like <laughs> I, 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 I have no it's not fun to me like i'm not like to be a competitive you know you'd hate you like i i just i i, I just don't i don't don't it's just not me. Like, I, and, and for guys that it is, man, that's great. That's, yeah. that's, go do it. But for me, I'm, I'm just not that guy. Like I, I like to go out. I like to shoot when I can shoot. I like to shoot, you know, I mean, I've, I'm not going to suffer, you know, when I'm shooting, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot the way I want to shoot. I'm going to shoot the shots I want to shoot. That's what I enjoy doing. I'll tell you the best, uh, like, like with me, I, I don't do a lot of, I don't do a lot of fixed, when I say fixed, like stand at 20 yards and just shoot, shoot, shoot. I had a, a years ago, I mean, back probably in the, when I first got started, I had a gear, a guy, and he told me one time, you know, I was talking, we were talking about shooting traditional and, and he, he said to me, he says, look, he says, the best practice that you can do is to go out and take a tennis ball and put some judo, put some judo points on your, you know, get a couple arrows with judo points and, you know, shoot that tennis ball around the yard or field or whatever. Like yep. you, you know, pick, you know, shoot the tennis ball, go pick your arrow up, couple arrows up and you're always shooting. I mean, you know, you can throw that tennis ball as far as you want, I guess, but. You know, if you're, if you're within that, you know, my range is 15 to 25 yards. Like that, that's my comfortable, like that, those are the ranges that I'm extremely comfortable. Will I shoot 30, 35? I, I will, but, but it has to be a specific, my mind has to be in a specific place. Like yeah. if my mind is, if there's an animal at 40 yards, and my mind is like, like I'm doubting myself. I'm not, I'm not going to, nothing ever happens good when I force myself to do something that my mind is, is kind of working against me. So I, but, but I've also shot out, I mean, I've had elk at 40 yards and, and I'm, I just, it's like, man, this is a, this is a, this is a great shot. You know, I, I've shot I've shot deer at, at those distances, not on a lot of occasions, but I mean, I have I have shot that shot and and made the shot and you know, but I've all but I've I probably had more um, you know animals in that and again, whitetail are 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 a touch different because I feel like I'm going to get a another opportunity at them, like I. You know, if I don't booger them up and I'm on them or I see them or I'm, 
if, do you follow what I'm saying? Like they, oh, yeah. they yeah. come walk, walking through the field and they're at 40, 50 yards. Well, if, if they didn't see me, smell me, or they kind of don't know, well, I'm, there's a real good chance that they're going to do it tomorrow, the next day, or I'm kind of, I'm, I'm like on them. And I, and I had a, I had a deer. It's probably been maybe probably back in the nineties. I had a farm that I could hunt on and I, and it, it was an eight pointer that I ended up seeing kind of later in, later in the year. Like it was, Oh, the rut had kind of tailed off and, you know, getting a little bit later, and I, I had a bunch of rub, and they were in a fence row. It was a kind of a tough spot to hunt. There was a fence row. There was two fence rows that had kind of intersected, and it was, man, it was like out in kind of no man's land. And there was a lot of sign in the field, like there was tracks, there was some rubs, and I'm like, and I just, I sat it. And the first time I sat it, I ended up seeing this deer, and it was the deer that I kind of felt like was making the sign and he would come down the fence line and he would skirt around me and he'd cross it was a opening like 30 35 yards out and he'd come like he was coming right down the fence row and he'd just skirt out and cross the fence that like i was sitting right where these two fence rows intersected so they crossed each other and i was right there at that point and there was a couple crossings there and he would walk down that fence line and he would veer out around and he'd always cross the fence at about 35 yards broadside. Like he, the wind was, you know, I had a great wind for that, for, for what he was doing. And, and he did it the first morning. And when he did it, he went over and he went in this section of timber and I, I just felt like the way he was acting, what he, I'm like, he's, I thought he was bedding in there. That's what I thought he was doing. And, and, and that's exactly what he was doing. So I just kept hunting that stand and I would hunt it and I would see that I, I was seeing him really, really consistent, consistently. I'd see him in the morning. I'd see him when he'd come out in the evening. Sometimes he'd be way out in the field, but he'd cross that fence row, but he, heck, he might be 60, 70, 80 yards out. But in the morning when he was coming back, he would always kind of come down the fence row. And I ended up seeing that deer nine times. Like I saw him uh, nine different times, morning and evening. And, and he crossed at that 35, at 35 yard crossing about three or four times. Like I, I mean, a legitimate shot, you know, I mean, there was probably times he was within 30, but he'd be walking and he just, and I, I was, I was pretty confident that there was another crossing that was very, very close to me. And I knew, like, that's where the rubs were. And I knew that he crossed there as well. But I, I kept hunting him. And literally the 10th time I saw him, he come down the fence row. And this time when he came down the fence row, he was really, really close to the, to the edge of the, like he was really, really close to that fence line and he wasn't out like, like most of the time when he'd take that 35 yard crossing, he would be out in the, you know, he might be 20, 30 yards out just walking along the edge of the field. But this time when he come through and I knew as soon as I saw him, I'm like, he's going to, 
he's going to take this crossing right here by me. And, and he did. And I shot him and got him and, and, you know, he was, you know, probably 130, 30, 35 inch eight pointer. But to me, that's like, I love to go sit in the stand and have a super big deer walk by me and I shoot him. Like I, I got nothing. I have no problems going sitting in this tree stand, but the deer that you like the ones that you hunt and you have uh, a little bit of a rapport with and, and it, again, taking that back to that, letting them set themselves up and giving you the shots. You're like, like the patience, you know, if I would have blown that shot at 30, 35 and I just never felt comfortable with it. Like I thought that I'm like, man, I'm going to, if I wound him, or if I, you know, some, if I don't make that shot, cause he would always be walking. Like he never, he never stood there at 30 yards. It's like he'd be walking and he'd walk up to the fence row and he'd jump the fence and then he'd just walk right out across. So, you know, had he stood there at 30 yards and let me really contemplate it, I may have tried to make one of those shots, but he just never did. It never really felt right. And again, patients ended up paying off yeah that's that was pretty a long-winded cool. story <laughs> no that's <laughs> no that's good and i think a lot of that goes down to like you were comparing you know your elk and the deer and uh it's amazing how you can have this feel-good range so to speak where you know you get asked what your eff- effective distance is and it's kind of like well if the shot feels right it'll get the green light and if it feels wrong, it'll get the red light. And whatever those distances are, they may vary radically. You know, there may be a five-yard shot that gets the red light for no reason. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But in that moment, the confidence just isn't there. And the next thing you know, a deer's out at 40, and randomly you get the green light, and you shoot, and you make an awesome shot. And it's crazy how that all works, but something in the brain does it. Well, I I know... I've heard, you know, I, I believe it was Tom Plum, you know, he, he talks about your, you know, you having two or three seconds, you know, to really, really focus. And man, I think that's really, I think that is spot on like you. And again, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty simple person. So if I have a lot of things I have to focus on, I, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. You know, I mean, if, the more I have to do and the more I have to do to make that, to make that shot and be successful, probably the more the more apt I am to screw up. You know, I don't. You know, I mean, I have that feel good, don't feel good as well. But there's but there's a little bit of uh, you know there's a strategy behind it. Like um, you know, when deer come in, it's like like I'm I focus a lot when, when animals get within range for me. I, I, I try to focus, start to change my focus and start like when they start getting into that range that I'm going to shoot them. My focus strictly, strictly goes on where do I have to place, where do I have to place that angle? And that question can, that changes with the angle of the animal, where he's at, what he's doing, how, like it's mm-hmm. constantly, it's fluid. It's fluid. Like when they're walking in, they're quartering to me, you know, okay, what that's a, that's not a good shot because of this. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to concentrate on 
that tennis ball size target that I know that I need to hit to put that arrow through the center of what I perceive the kill zone is a kill zone is on it. And, and that focus can be pretty, like it's pretty intense. I'm trying to focus on that, take everything else out of my mind. Like the man, he's a good, that's a good buck, man. I'd really, man, I'd be like, like, like if you switch, if you switch gears and you are focusing on the shot and now all of a sudden your mind goes to the rack. It's over. That's a recipe for total disaster. You know, if you, if you look at the brown deer body and say, how can I miss? That's a recipe for disaster. I, I did that this season. I totally did that. I had, uh, I had, so I, I missed two deer this year. One was a perfect shot and the deer just turned into a V and it, the air, you know what I mean? He just jumped that string and he was, he had it. It was all him. He, I did everything I could and I, and, and it still didn't hit. The second one, I did exactly that, man. I, I saw the whole deer. It was one of the biggest deer I've drawn a bow on. And I just looked at the whole deer. I never looked at that spot. I never, I never changed from focusing like on the whole deer to where am I going to shoot it and kill it. And I just focused on the whole deer, the giant rack and watched that arrow go six inches over his back. Thank God both were clean misses. But yeah, I mean, if, if you don't switch into that mode where you're, you're no longer looking at the deer, you're looking at the spot. You're, you're looking at the exact angle of how you're, Arrow's going to go through that deer, and if you don't hit that, yeah, it's over. Well, you and I, I kind of, you know, learned years or didn't learn it, but I, I definitely, it was something that, you know, you can spend a lot of time in a tree trying to get set up to like, like shots at, at animals and really, really good animals is even less, but shots at those shots are for most of us are few and far between. And, you know, if you focus on a, if you focus on a spot and you, and you, you can place the arrow in the kill zone, you, you really, you know, you can look at the deer for the rest of your life. Like you, you know, you can mount him up and, you know, when you go to the old age home, you take the deer with you and remember the hunt. So, you know, if you if you can control that, what it takes to put the arrow where it needs to be, and again, shooting is. I mean, I'm confident when I go shoot in the back. When I'm shooting, I'm I'm really trying to reinforce my confidence with my equipment. Like I'm shooting, I was like, okay, you know, I can, you know, if I'm out shooting tennis balls with my judo points, it's like, well, I can hit. I mean, there's a lot of times in a tree stand when I get out, I shoot Zwicky broadheads. I can, I can clean them up with a brush. I can take a file and I can, I can touch them up and I, I'm back to hunt. And the big reason that I do what I do is because there is time. And, and if you live in areas that you have lots of rock, then you probably can't do this. I don't, you know, I mean, I am usually hunting in, in the woods, I mean, it's, it's all dirt. You know, I can shoot arrows at, at corn cobs. I can shoot them at leaves. I can shoot them at stuff. It doesn't, you know, it's, you know, there's times that I hit rocks and, but most of the time, 
you know, as I'm shooting into a dirt pile, I dull the broadhead, I go clean it off, touch it up, and I'm good to go. So there are times that, uh, and actually lots of times that when I'm done hunting, you know, I will shoot, I'll shoot at different things. It's like, man, what is that corn cob there in the field? What is that? I mean, and that's, you know, I'll pick that, pick that corn cob out and I'll shoot it and, uh, you know, whether I hit it or come really, really close, um, I'm my it builds my confidence, you know. So, I mean, I do a lot of shooting out of my stand when, when I'm getting out or what have you. And, and that's kind of why I shoot the broadheads that I shoot and, and I'm extremely confident with them. Like if I sharpen them up, I, you know, I, I've put enough animals on the ground that I absolutely know what, know what they will, what they will and won't do. Yeah. That, that's something I, I do quite a bit, like throughout the day, if, if, if I'm having a, a slower day or whatever, or if there's a squirrel coming out or something, I'll take a shot midday with a blunt at just, like you said, a leaf, or if there's a stump near my tree stand, or if there's a squirrel, I'll try and smoke the squirrel. Um, but that's, I mean, that's something I definitely do. It, it kind of, it definitely helps with like, you know, being ready when a deer comes in, if you've taken a couple shots at your stand already. Oh yeah. Well, I think, I think it becomes again, you know, it's a, it's a confidence, you know, having mm-hmm. the confidence. To, I mean, if you shoot at a corn cob and you hit that corn cob or you shoot at a leaf, now you're, I mean, your concentration is, you know, it would be great if every deer came by with a, you know, with a bullseye. Yeah. With a, <laughs> you know, a, a white bullseye dot right in the middle of the kill zone. That yeah. doesn't happen. So, so your mind has to, you know, when you say, you know, we say, well, you got to pick a spot. Well, you got to pick a spot whether you're shooting totally instinctive or you're shooting with sights. Like if you're, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you still got to put the pin, like you can't willy nilly, you know, look to, I mean, if you're shooting with sights, you can't just say, oh, well, there's the deer in my perfect vision and pull the trigger. Like it, that doesn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to put that sight pin on what you want to hit and then execute the shot. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I'm, I say I'm totally instinctive. And the reason I say that, I mean, is my subconscious or my mind aiming? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I mean, most likely it is. Now, how it's doing that, I, I'm not sure that I know. Not a conscious I effort. I, yeah, it's yeah. not something that I, you know, it's not, I put the pin on it and I executed the shot. Like I, I do think there, you know, I, I do think that you have to be very consistent with your shot. Um, I do, you know, holding, holding my bow on the target and following through the shot. So, you know, again, I'm not going to, maybe it is back pitching, maybe it's not or whatever, but following through, like, like following through, not plucking, not, not collapsing. Yeah. Like once I come to anchor, I want my bow arm to stay on the target. Like my concentration needs to be on the spot I want to hit. And then it's, you know, making that shot and not again, if you're shot, I mean, if you have bad form, but you have consistently bad form all the time, you, you quite possibly could be a very, very good shot because you're doing the same thing 
every time. Yeah. It might not exactly be right, but you're probably going to be consistent with it. If you are, you know, I mean, I, I, I do think I'm not advocating for bad form. Like I'm, I'm just, but I repetitive. I no, but I, I think, I think yeah. pe- people, people tend to go the extreme opposite and, and pre and preach form, form, form. And which is cool if, if it works for somebody. I mean, I, I see a lot of guys, new guys coming in that they'll ask a question and they'll get inundated with coaching advice. And if I if I see somebody new they coming, they won't get they won't get that from me. I can no no tell you that. yeah no kidding. <laughs> when I if if I see somebody asking advice, the only thing I tell them is just hey be consistent. Just do whatever you're doing. Do the same thing over and over again. Do it the same way every well, time I, and have fun. It's like it's like anything else. Do I, I mean, I, I, I would say that, that there, I agree with you. There's a ton of guys, there's a ton of guys teach, teaching or telling yeah. people how to shoot. I think I would, I would vet where I'm getting the information. Like yeah. If a, yeah. Like if, oh, there's, yeah. if there's a, if there's a guy that's, extremely successful that's a hunter that's maybe giving you some pointers and and you know you've shot with him or you know he's a pretty good shot well yep. you know maybe that's a guy you listen to exactly um a guy a guy that i mean you know a guy like aaron schneider or somebody like well those guys are i mean there's guys out there and he's one of them that is an extremely good shot like he's good he's a good mm-hmm. shot and 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 but when it comes to hunting, you know, he knows what he needs to adjust and he's, he's kind of like the perfect storm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, very confident hunting. Man, probably not going to win any gold medals for you. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we're probably not getting any big checks, but I, I still, I know what it takes for me to get to, to get, you know, to get tags or to, you know for me to make a trip to the taxidermist like i've you know i've, I've had enough experience doing that that i kind of know what it takes and and you know i'm, I'm i don't know i mean I, i'm probably the again i'm 55 years old so i'm, I'm probably you know a little, you know a little bit set in my ways yeah i'm not saying that there's not i mean i have picked up a lot of things and 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 seen stuff that it's like, but man, that's maybe something I should work on. And you know, should we all practice? Absolutely. Should we become the best shot that we can possibly be? Absolutely. We'll probably need to become as as honest with ourselves in the woods as you know. I mean, again, the shot a shot that that I can make, and a shot you know, Aaron has got a much bigger range. He's going to be more effective out further than I am because his skill set is better than mine, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to shooting, um, you know, like when it comes to hunting, he's probably a better hunter than I am, but I, I'm pretty confident. I'm confident with my hunting. Like, you know, I mean that, that skill set, I'm, I, I, that's the one I like. That's what I like to do. It's what I enjoy doing. And, you know, I, so, you know, with the with the shooting, there there is a lot of good information out there. Take take advice from guys that are that are proven, not yeah. not 
You know, if the guys want a and and again, I'm I'm very very impressed with somebody. If you can stand there and shoot dimes at at 50 yards, well, that's impressive to me. Like I, I, I admittedly cannot do that, and nor am I ever going to be able to do that. Nor am I going to put in the time and the effort that it takes to do that because I don't, I don't care to do that. Yep. Now, um, I, I don't. I've seen enough of. And again, I'm not. I'm not trying to d- divide anything. I just. I just come at it from the view of. I've been around a lot of guys that are extremely good hunters. I've, I've here lately been around some guys that are very, very good hunters and good shots. And 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 that's probably the. Again, that's the perfect storm. But, you know, winning gold medals is just not the same as shooting at a 400. It's, it's not the same as shooting at a, at a, you know, an Audad that's coming over the rocks that's, you know, gonna, you know, 33 inch Audad that's bigger than anything you've ever seen or a grizzly bear or, a, you know, a, a bull elk or, or, I mean, you, you can pick whatever you want to pick and it, that shot is just not the same to me. I, I just, I know that I don't have that feeling. You know, I, I can tell you pretty much every animal that I've missed had close. It was so close. I've, you know, I've kind of, you know, made some mistakes on. Man, I can't, I can't be, begin to tell you. I don't even remember the last target I missed. <laughs> Like it just doesn't have that. It doesn't have a mental effect on me. No, that's true. That's so true, man. Like you if s- you take me, if you take me out and we shoot and and you get a ten and I get a eight, okay, you get a ten, I get an eight. My eight is still a, my my eight is still a picture of a dead animal. So yep. I, I, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know what? You know, it's like, like I get kind of a kick out of some of the stuff I see. It's like, I, I am, I'm not shooting nickels. I'm not shooting dimes. I, I wish I was that good of a shot, but dead is dead. Like I'm not, I'm trying to put that arrow through the animal to, to, to kill them effectively, you know, and, that, and that's what I need. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what I want to do. And I want to take, I want to take the shot that I have the highest success, highest chances of success to do that. And, and that means, you know, not taking certain shots and kind of wait. That makes, that means wait until everything is just right. And then, you know, being able to hold it all together and place the arrow at the, you know, at the point on the animal that I've, you know, that spot I've been concentrating on. So that's kind of the job. That's what I want to do. I don't, you know, a heart shot, a liver heart, a double long. Uh, those are all dead animals. Like, like there's no eights and tens shooting animals. You know, I mean, I, yep. there's eights and tens on foam targets, but. You know, there's not more dead. There's not better deader. There's not, it's just, just not when it comes to hunting. 
I like that the tennis and ball. Again, I like that. I do. I do that a lot in the summer. I'll 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 blast a tennis ball all around my yard. And man, there's that. That's a good way to practice for hunting because that's this. You know, that's a that but tennis ball is a good ring to me. It is kind of fun. It is kind of fun too. Like oh hell yeah, fun like so. That's a, you know, it's fun. Like it's it makes fun a cool sound. A tennis ball, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I don't. If I miss it, I don't really remember it. But <laughs> yeah, it is fun shoot <laughs> Oh man, that's great. Hey, let, let's uh, let me let me uh, let me pick your brain because I'm a huge bear fan. Um, and and you've been shooting bear for a while, right? What? Since 2000, and yeah, I think I I built my own bows. Um, from like 1991, I think it was 91, 92. I built bows and uh, hunted with them, and then in 2005, I think it was. Yeah, I switched over and started shooting a, a bear takedown. What brought that along? What happened? Because they're awesome. Most I love them. of it. Well, most of that was, um, you know, I mean, again, when I grew up, I mean, when I grew up, the you know, one of the you know main guys that was in all the hunting magazines was Fred Bear. You know, I mean, you know, saw all the Fred Bear articles. You know, I can remember watching the old, you know, Fred Bear tapes, and you know, so that was always Bear was. You know, he did a lot of stuff with the recurve. You know, killed killed a lot of stuff, did a lot of hunting, and you know, so that stuff made a big impact on me. Uh, I never met Fred Bear. I never. Um, you know, that was when I was just getting into everything. Um, but that was, had a big influence on, you know, my archery and kind of what I did. So yeah, I, I think the nostalgia of bear archery and Fred bear and, and reading and seeing all the, the old stuff definitely had an impact. And so I mean, that's, probably what brought all that on yeah the, those movies are awesome i i have that dvd set and i watch it all the time it never gets old no it's i mean it's in today's standards it's probably you know it's like watching abbott costello but it's still yeah. classic classic stuff you know it's still and truthfully the footage and stuff that they did back when they did did it is probably super impressive just by the fact that the cameras and the equipment and all they had to do to try to come up with that kind of footage, you know? Yeah, there's definitely no camcorders and, back then. No, there's no cell phones. There's no GoPros. There's no, yeah, it, it's, it's, I can't even imagine doing what they did back then. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. A whole lot of effort there for the. I mean, think about just being the camera guy alone. That had to be an insane job. Being quiet. No. I, yeah, no. I, I, I have to. Again, I watch it. You watch it. You see what it is, and for, for, the, for you know, it, doing what they were doing in that time. That was, that was state of the art stuff. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. But yeah. they, you know, I just, I don't know. They caught enough of it. You know, they told enough of the story that always, it kind of lured you in. Like, you know, we, I say we, but nowadays you can, you know, you can, you can 
sit on your couch and eat popcorn and watch YouTube videos all day long of like everybody's, you know, anybody that's got a phone can, you know, videotape something or put something out there or throw some little clip out there of a hunt or this side or the other or whatever. And there's a lot of it that's really kind of good. Like there's pretty entertaining, you know, some pretty entertaining stuff out there. I think that, uh, again, what they did, the way they told those stories and those adventures and all that, and they were kind of all around, you know, I mean, Fred Bear was in Alaska and he'd be, you know, he'd be goat hunting and sheep hunting and hunting grizzly bears and hunting whitetail and just, man, got a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's so much fun to, to, the books, the field notes, his biography, all that stuff is just, it's pretty entertaining. He lived a hell of a life. That he did. Well, and one of the, you know, uh, a lot of, go ahead, Chris. I feel, I feel like some of what they show is, uh, again, uh, they were successful. Um, you know, they were out there bow hunting. They definitely had a, there's a lot of success, but if you watch the videos, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of stuff that kind of just makes, you know, hunting camp or going and hunting with guys that you're super, super close with and, you know, the camaraderie or the just, you know, sharing hunting camps or going on those, you know, different adventures. You know, they show all that too. You know, you know, yeah. it's not just. Yeah. I, I think a lot nowadays we get a lot of, a lot of videos or, you know, everything is kill, 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 kill. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, when I go hunting, I, my goal is to, to punch a tag. But if I don't do that, it's not like, like I've never went hunting and not shot something and said to myself, I wish I would have worked today or I wish I would have, I wish I would have, you know, painted the garage doors. I, I just never do it. You know, yeah. I don't, a, a bad day hunting is, that's, it's better than I'm, I'm good with it. I'm like, man, this is, that's what I wanted to do. I, I think that's something that the, the traditional archery puts more of an emphasis on is, is like the whole experience. I mean, I, I don't know if you've listened to them. You probably have the, uh, like when Jim Eckhout or Brian Burkhart do those, those, um, those, podcasts on stickbow chronicles where they 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 talk through the whole hunt they kind of do them like a semi-live they kind of record the effort the the day each day uh, following right, along right, with right, that right. stuff that kind of like it's the whole adventure i mean i a lot of people aren't going to get to hunt alaska or canada or wherever those guys are going and it's kind of cool to live vicariously through them in in those in those those um those adventures and it it's i i think it's it seems like traditional archery really values the whole experience, not just the the kill porn you see on the Outdoor Channel or, or, or Sportsman's Channel or something like that. It's it's a it's a whole experience. It's a whole adventure. You, you know, you agree? No, well, I I mean, I think, I mean, I and I know Jim and I know Jim and, and yeah, uh, Brian. Brian quite well and they're, they're solid, like they are both super, super solid guys. I, you know, I've had a lot of laughs with both of them and, uh, and, and definitely respect, you know, and I like, like, I, I like listening to 
you know, the same stuff. So, I mean, that stuff is, you know, the story, the, yeah. the you know, the, the day by day recap of the adventures is, it, it is fun and it's, that's, that's very entertaining to me. Um, I, I'm, I've all, I mean, traditional archery has, and again, not to label it that there's a cool factor or whatever. It, it, there's no question that, that it has, it has had a, a resurgence or, or more guys have got into it. You know, we can debate why that is. Um, personally, um, I mean, I, and this again, this is just my personal opinion, but, you know, Aaron has had a huge, huge influence, I think, on that, you know, that, that research. Uh, like absolutely. I, you know, guys like me and, I mean, I like Brian. I like Jim. I, I mean, I know, uh, you know, Randy Cooley. I know a lot of those guys and, mm-hmm. and they're all super cool, very, very, very good hunters. But do, do we connect? Do we, you know, kind of bring, you know, the, bring the part of traditional archery out that, that lures other guys in or younger hunters. And I, I, man, I don't, I don't, you know, unfortunately we do what we do and that's what we've always done. I mean, I'm, I am a traditional bow hunter. That's what I'm going to be, you know, that's just what I'm going to be. It's what I am. I, whether it's, you know, no, no matter what, ebb and flows it goes through you know it gets it gets more um if it gets more oh uh, popular I, I would say then then that's great I'm, I'm there if it gets less popular well i'm still there just what i'm just what i'm gonna do yeah but i i like it i mean i think again aaron is i i i know aaron i i respect aaron as a hunter and and he he's a very extremely legitimate, um, you know, he's, he, that, that, that you see him do and, and, and he's just, you know, I mean, I, I, I Aaron's a, he's a cool dude. I mean, it's just no question. So, yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's done a lot for traditional archery and that's a, that's a good thing. And, and, because you know, I, I just I don't. And Aaron's not. I mean, I, I don't know how old Aaron is. I think he's in his in his forties, but he can he can kind of bring a lot of like he gets the opportunity, and he he is um, driven enough that he he kind of you know he knows a lot about the different arrows on the market, broadheads on the market, the hows and the whys, and the what's the, and he can just, just dissect that and. You know, if he tells you something, it's probably going to be, you know, it's it's what he actually believes. He's not saying it because, you know, he's just saying it to to just say it. Yeah. So, you know, for me, that's a that's a good thing. It gets guys pointed in the right direction. But but I I do think that the you know the advent you know traditional archery is it's fun. It's fun to practice. It's fun to you know making your own wood arrows. You know, I mean, there's all Make, you know, if you like to make strings, you know, if you like to build self bows, I mean, there's a lot of things in traditional archery that are, that are, 
you know, people enjoy doing. It's part of that process. Um, you know, so, but I, I do think that, you know, if you're getting into it because you perceive that it's just going to, you're going to be just a stone, you know, you're, it's going to make you a, it will make you a better hunter. I, I it will make you, I mean, you, you got to, you're either going to become a better hunter with a traditional bow or you're going to be, you know, eating a lot of grapes and salads, I guess. But so, you know, just because the, it is tougher. I mean, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, but you know, enjoying the whole getting out there and figuring out whatever your experience is or what your adventure is, whether it's going black bear hunting or going elk hunting or going to Alaska or going deer hunting turkey hunting in your backyard it's kind of what you make of it and that process if you don't enjoy that process i don't if you don't enjoy that process you probably don't like traditional i mean you're probably not gonna stick with traditional archery for long that's a solid statement it's just not a it's just not a hunting method that you are that you are going to be just, I mean, I, I, there's I no instant gratification. Anymore. Yeah, no, but the gratification to me is much. It's well earned. I mean, oh, there's no question. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I know, I, I mean, I've shot some really, really nice white tail. I've never shot a Boone and Crockett white tail. I've shot some, you know, I mean, I've shot some animals that I'm really, really happy with, but quite honestly, I'm happy with. You know, I mean, I, I remember getting my first elk. I can remember getting, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of animals that I've shot that trophy wise or score wise, eh, maybe they're not, maybe they're not the biggest, maybe they're not, but for me to, you know, pull it off was a, was a lot of work, a lot of effort. And, uh, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hunting. I'm, I kind of hunt for myself at this day and age. There was, when I was younger, I probably had a lot more to, like I was wanting to prove something to somebody, but, but those days are gone for me. Like I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to, to prove myself anymore. I think you already have, yeah. Yeah, my wife thinks I'm a stone cold killer, so that's all that matters, really. There you go. As long as you want her over, you're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I don't think we can have you on this podcast without getting a grizzly bear story out of you, at least once. Because <laughs> I, you, when I think of you, I think of grizzly bears. So, what's a, what's a, I don't know, what was your first one like, or what was your best one like? What do, what do you tell us a good grizzly bear story? Um, Man, I, I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to choose. I mean, you, you want you want funny, you want uh, brink of death, or what? what you we, we like what we like uh, we like uh, well, we're we're pretty much based on funny, um, but at the same time, <laughs> a, a good uh, pucker story is always good. I mean, I don't know, dealer's choice. What do you think? Well, I. I'll tell you, I, I shot a, and I may have talked about this and I may not have, but I, 
you know, when I went and shot my brown bear in, uh, in Alaska, I mean, that was probably the, the more interesting hunts I was on. Um, I mean, I've told it before, so it's probably going to be, it's going to be a repeat, but I, um, you want me to talk about that one, or you want me to talk about Go for uh, it. out of a treat? Well, I was, um, I had taken a grizzly bear. I shot up my first grizzly bear in 2003, and, and kind of 2003, 2004, like, um, so those were like the last, I wanted to, I wanted to shoot all four bears. So I wanted to shoot a, you know, I had taken some brown, or some black bears, uh, several of them in the 90s, and, and I killed them several different black bears in, you know, Canada and out west in Mexico, Arizona. I mean, I shot quite a few black bears. So I, when I was younger, I could remember reading the different outdoor lives. And, and obviously Fred Bear was, you know, the grizzly bears. And, you know, he, he did a lot of that. And, you know, everybody remembers the bear he shot on the beach, you know, that, you know, oh, 10 yeah. footer, 11 footer. Over, this, was. over the big rock, over the big boulder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, you, they had that footage and, you know, the pictures and just, and, and he shot them, you know, he shot them in British Columbia. He shot them, he shot, I don't know exactly how many he shot, but he shot four or five. I mean, definitely shot a, a few. And, uh, I could always remember those hunts for, for seeing those hunts. And I always, you know, would think, man, that would be so cool. And that's like, like that was a bucket list thing that I wanted to do. Never thought I was going to be able to do it. Well, in 2003, I, I had shot a, several black bears up to this point. And in 2003 or in 2000s, I, I was trying to get everything put together, you know, to where I could go shoot a grizzly bear. And then I wanted to shoot a, a brown bear and, and, Brown bear and grizzly bear are pretty much the same bears, just geographical location, but, um, and, and to shoot a polar bear. So, I mean, those were the, I wanted to get all the bears. And, uh, I ended up shooting a grizzly bear in British Columbia in 2003. Well, then, um, I think in, that was in the fall. And then in the spring of that year, I went up and I shot a really, really nice black bear. And then the following um, spring, so that was 2003, um, the fall of 2003, I shot a grizzly bear. The spring of 2004, I shot a really nice black bear up in Canada. And I had that fall, 2004, I had a, a brown bear hunt booked. And... I had talked to a bunch of different guys and, you know, I talked to guys and, and I, and I rounded up this guy that uh, another guy had went with him with a bow, not a recurve, but with a bow and shot a bear with him. And I'm like, man, I, I didn't really, you know, this is all kind of pre internet pre, you know, it's, it's kind of word of mouth stuff, you know, talk to guys and try to figure out who and where you're going to go hunt with. Well, I ended up getting, the name of a guy that was up out of uh, um, Yakutat, which is kind of on a, it's a little south of Cordova there, but it's right on the coast. And, and uh, 
I had got a name of a guy that had run an outfit up there. And the one thing, like grizzly bears with a bow are guys can do it. And, and it's not, I'm not saying it's undoable, but, but the guide is a big, a big factor on how successful you're going to be. Like, when I was doing it, you know, I had a bunch of guys that had told me that, look, you know, when you go and you shoot the bear, they're going to shoot it. Like they're going to, they don't want to go in the, it's very thick in South, you know, in the Southern Alaska, you get over the coast, very thick. And, uh, you know, I had been told a bunch of times that if I, if you shoot the bear, if you put an arrow in it, that they're automatically going to shoot the bear, going to shoot them with a rifle. Well, I didn't want that, and and I had shot the bear in British Columbia the following year, and and bears are not hard if if you shoot them right, which if you shoot any animal right, I guess they die. But if you shoot a bear double lung hard or whatever, man, they they really expire. I think I think a much quicker than other animals. At least that's what I've seen. So I shot the, the grizzly bear and, and, and there was no, I mean, I double lunged him. He ran, you know, 60 yards and boom, duck over everything. I mean, and it was a big bear. It was a, you know, 23 inch. I mean, it was a nice grizzly bear. And so I'm like, man, this is, you know, these bears are, if you hit them good, it's, it's totally doable. So I didn't want, um, you know, I wanted to get all this done and not have, you can't enter anything, not that entering it's a big deal, but I didn't want to shoot a bear and have the guy shoot it right after I shot it, yeah, no matter what it was. Yeah. So, so talking to different guys and this outfitter, I, you know, I, I was trying to kind of reiterate that, you know, it's like, look, I, I'm, if I wound them, I, I'm okay with you shooting them or, you know, with your guide shooting them, but if you, if if I have a good shot, I said if I I don't I don't want that because the the bear's gonna die. Like it's just it's it's extremely doable. They're, they're it's you know again it's like I needed somebody that could make a, a fast decision and the right decision, you know, in an extremely high pressure situation. So I I got the name of this guy and i i kind of told him what i was going to do and asked him if he was willing and and he ran the camp like he had he's like yeah we got some guys and and i'll hook you up with so-and-so and and yada yada so i was real comfortable i'm like okay i'll do it well the guy that he was hooking me up with was like a guy that he guided for him for i don't know 10 12 years. he's an older guy had done a lot of hunted a lot of bears you know was very familiar and and had been in those situations a lot. So I can remember when I flew up to the, when I flew in, um, when I flew into Yakutat, I ran it, we ran into this guy and he was a, I'd say he was a guy. He was a, I mean, of course I was a kid back then, you know, I mean, that was, I was in my thirties, you know, and this, this kid was from, um, Wisconsin and he was kind of doing some part-time guiding and this, that, and the other. Well, when I got up there 
and I ended up getting, uh, when I got up there, we ran into this guy that, and he was flying out with us to the same camp I was going to. And, and he said, look, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going up here to guide for, for so-and-so outfitting. I don't even remember the name of it, but he goes, yeah, I'm going to go guide for, for Jim, I think was the guy's name. He goes, I, I, Jim hired me. I went guide for him. And I wasn't thinking much of it, really. So when we got into camp, there was, there was, um, three guys hunting, two guys with a rifle. They were all brown bear hunting. Three guys with a rifle, or two guys with a rifle that were rifle hunting, and then me with my recurve. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, there's been stories said about this in the past about how, you know, you, you pull your recurve out. I mean, every, we've all been asked it, right? I mean, you, you're walking through the woods, somebody sees you with a recurve, they're like, well, can you kill anything with that? Well, hell yeah, I can kill something with that. Like, you, you know, it's almost offensive sometimes, but people ask it, like, they just think it was, you know, they don't, you know, not been around them, not familiar with them, but, and that's kind of what happened here, you know, I got in there and these guys whipped out their, whipped out all their firepower and this, that, and the other, you know, and I pull out my, my recurve that I made, and bolted it together, and I'm thinking, you know, slinging a 450 grain arrow around, and I mean, I got all the confidence in the world. Like I'm like, and you know, those guys, everybody was looking at me, and and even the guy that, even the guy that I booked the hunt through, he he said to me, he says, "No, look, Chris, you know," I said, and I told, I mean, I'm already there. I bought my tag. I'm there. I'm, you know, the hunt has started as far as I was concerned. And he said to me that night, he kind of pulled me off to the side. He's like, now, Chris, look, he goes, uh, he goes, you, um, you, you sure you don't want to take a rifle? I said, look, I said, I, I booked this hunt. I told him what I was trying to do. I said, I, I'm confident with it. I said, I have no problem. I said, I'll tell you what, I said, if, if I feel like I make a bad shot or whatever, I said, I'm going to just tell the guy to shoot it. I said, I said, we'll just go from there. I said, but if I don't, I said, then it's on me. I said, I've, you know, I said, if the bear eats me, I said, I've signed my, my waiver. I said, I'm good. You know, I said, don't just, you, you, the guy can worry about himself. I'll worry about myself and, and let's try to make this hunt happen. And he, he didn't have much confidence in me. I can tell you that. And I was a little worried. So the next morning we get up and everybody splits up. Well, I end up getting, I end up getting the guide that's guiding me is a kid that flew in on the plane. And <laughs> I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I'm like, Oh man, I am. You could get shot in the back. <laughs> I, am, I am screwed. I'm like, I am in trouble. And I, you gotta I, know they pulled I mean, straws earlier that morning. <laughs> well, and you know what? There's no doubt that they did because I, I, the other guys obviously had rifles and it was, you know, they were going to go out and they were going to shoot the bear. They'd be done. Like, like I was the hard, obviously the hardest guy there to hunt. So this kid that came in, the guide that was supposed to guide me ended up quitting the guy. So that's why this kid, like I was booked to come up on the hunt. So it was just, you know, any guides that are not working during hunting season, I, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, it's like, so anyway, I, I kind of felt like I was getting the short straw and I, 
you know, I knew it. And I'm like, well, uh, you know, it's like I got to kind of deal with it here. And so they took us up. They took us out on a boat and we went up and we went up to this. It was a like that we were on this bay. And so they took us out in this boat. And we went up probably six, seven, eight miles up this bay. And there was an old, uh, there was a cabin up there that we stayed in. So we took, took the boat, took some, some gear and that's, uh, that's where we were going to stay. And, uh, there was a four wheeler that they had already taken up there. Like they'd already taken up, there was a quad up there with a, a trailer and stuff. And there was a path to get back to it. It was just, it was pretty rough. Like it was a rough ride, you know, getting back to the camp. And, uh, so they had taken that up the week before. So we get in the boat and, and we head up and we get there. We unpack all our stuff and we get in there. And, you know, the first night, the guide is, he's kind of telling me, and I could tell that a lot of what he was telling me was what had come from the guy he was the, the outfitter that he was working for. I'm sure the outfitter had told him, well, here's the way it's got to go. And it's that. So this, again, I was, I mean, he was, probably in his early 20s you know he was probably 22 23 years old i don't know he was he was quite a bit younger than i was and you know we kind of started talking and i had asked him you know i wanted to quickly figure out how bad what the situation was so i just asked him i said have you have you guided any brown bear hunters for i'm like well this ought to be this is going to be a this is going to be good. So he's like, well, he says, no, to be honest with you, I haven't. I said, have you ever hunted a brown bear? I said, have you ever killed one yourself? Well, no, you know, he says, I, I, I haven't. He says, but I, but I got my guide's license and I, I didn't want to, like, you can't, I was trying to be diplomatic mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm not extremely diplomatic for sure at times. <laughs> so I'm, I think I stayed up that whole night. I'm like, oh man, this is going to go downhill fast. It's like, I'm like, so we get out and the first thing he does is start locking and loading them in his 375, you know, windbag. And, and, uh, and we go out where, you know, we go out and the bear had literally walked by the front of the cabin that night. Like we get out there and there's a bear track in the sand. Right there. Oh, that's cool. The, the tides, the tides are real big up in Alaska. Like this, I, I would say it's a nine, ten foot tide. Like it's a, it's a big tide. I don't know whether it was the time of year or what it was, but the tide coming in and out. So, you know, when the tide went out, you know, there was kind of sandy beach and stuff like that. And, uh, we get out, we're walking and the tide's out and, uh, we run into these bear tracks and I'm like, oh man. And they were big. Like they were, they look like, pie plates i'm like oh it's like fresh bear tracks are the coolest thing ever i think so we get out we're walking along and we're you know and i there's a there's a we're off of this bay and off of this bay is this little um tributary stream river whatever you want to call it coming into it and when it's low tide you can kind of literally walk up it when it's high tide, it's probably 10 foot deep. Like it's, it's a river. So, you know, when the tide would go in and out, but what would happen is when the tide would come in, the salmon would go up the, you know, we're going up. And then when the tide would go out, 
those salmon would get caught, you know, in, you know, once they'd get caught in the pools. Well, those bears, when the, when the tide was out is when the bears would come in and cause, you know, the, the salmon would get stuck in the pools and the bears would come in there. And, Easy pickings. And, yeah. I mean, it's, and so, you know, we, we were kind of just walking around and looking and, you know, I was trying to figure out what, you know, how, I mean, the best chance that I have is obviously sitting and waiting and having them walk by me, uh, getting that shot mm-hmm. or having them preoccupied and, you know, to get their wind right, move around on them. And, and we had been doing a lot of talking. Like we, like I was talking to them and I, again, I knew that I, I knew that I probably had an uphill battle. So the first day we, we just, kind of walked around, checked everything out, was checking the, uh, you know, the situation out with the salmon, and I could see kind of what was going on. I'm like, okay, you know, and we were seeing bear tracks, and it's like, well, the bears are here. We were seeing um, they would take them salmon up on the, the shore, and, man, we were running into fresh salmon carcasses. Like, the bears were, there was bears there. Like, there was definitely bears working that. And, um a tide would come in and out and we, we had kind of walked, walked it back in there and was looking at these different spots. Well, there was one spot where there was like a 90 degree bend in the, in the tributary that, so, and right at that bend, there was a couple pine trees that were fairly big. So, and you could, from that pine tree, you could look both directions like you could see two or three hundred yards up one direction and you could look down the stream two or three four hundred yards the other way so i had told asked him i said let's do this i said tomorrow i said let's come up here and let's um um we'll build us a little blind underneath these trees and let's just hang out we'll just get in here and let's hang out and we'll just let's just watch it and the tide comes in i think twice a day is what it would come in so when the tide was getting ready to go when it was getting ready to go out i wanted i we would get up there so as the tide would go out and it would get low you know and you know that's when you know the bears i felt were going to come and so the first day we're sitting there and the tide goes out and this bear comes out and he comes out he's like a hundred yards from us comes down grabs a fish and and turns around and kind of goes back and i'm like well he's gonna come back and when we when the first bear came out i could see like this this bear is 200 yards from us and and my guide he was he was visibly nervous and he, at one point, he, at one point, he said to me, he says, can you, can you shoot that? Can you shoot that? I'm like, shoot that? What the hell are you talking about? It's freaking 150 yards out there. Like, where? I knew, truthfully, everything really, like all my discussions with him was, was I don't want to say we're going downhill, but it's like, I am, I, I everything he would say to me, I kind of was fastly, realizing that I was in big trouble here. And, he must uh, have been thrilled when he realized he had to get 130 yards closer. 
Well, he, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I think he was wanting, I think he was wanting to think and turn in his thinking two weeks notice two weeks earlier. When I, yeah, I, and I, I didn't tell him right away because I'm like, man, this is going to, this is going to put him right over the edge. Chris, did you have to have and, him with you by law? Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, okay. You have to I was going to say you couldn't just tell this guy to go sit in the cabin. Well, I, <laughs> I, I tried that. I tried that maneuver, but it didn't work. But, but no, you, you know, you, yeah. But and and again, I, I will say this: like the guy, the, the the kid that I had, or the kid that was guiding me through yeah. no fault of his own, was a very like I did like him. Like he was very, he was a good conscientious. He wanted to work as hard as he can. He was just, he was just simply in a. He didn't have the experience for the position that he was right, put right, into. Right. But but as far as as far as being a, I, I did like him. Like I did like him. I I I, you know, it was a little bit. It was a little bit of a bear hunt slash me being a a mentor. Uh, yeah, so I, I wouldn't say a mayor. I'd say more of a therapist is what I was. <laughs> so. So I had to work on his mind and get it like really right. And, uh, and I said to him, you know, when that bear, I said, um, I said, what, what, what do you think my, what do you think my range is? He says, well, well, Jim told me that you should be able to shoot up to a hundred yards. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I, that's, that's some false information there. And, uh, he goes, I said, no, I said, I got it. I said, I want to get 20 yards. Well, I told him 20 yards, man. He was, he was almost walking on water trying to get out of there. <laughs> like he was, you know, then he started, then he started strictly going to the, he went directly to the, I, uh, you know, hey, if he gets that close, they can kill you. We got to shoot him. We got to do this. I'm like, okay. And so we sat there. That, that was the first day. So we saw the first bear. He came out. So the next day, I don't think we, I think we did the same thing and, and really didn't see any bears. But we, you know, while we were sitting underneath the tree, we had a lot of, like, there was a lot of, there was a, a huge therapy session going on. And I, I did, at that point, we kind of got to know each other and we were talking and he was telling me what he had been told, what he was. And so I, I said to him, I said, look, I said, Tommy, I said, uh, I said, I gotta be honest with you. I said, I, I, I understand the position you're in. I understand they brought you in here. And I said, I, I understand it. I, and I started telling him about the bear. I think I showed him some pictures, you know, of the bear I shot last year and, you know, was telling him kind of how that went down and just that and the other, and, you know, we were talking and, and I said to him, at that point, I, cause I'm like, man, sooner or later, the, the conversation's going to happen. So I mentioned to him, I, I said, Tom, I said, look, I said, I, you know, I said, I booked this hunt and I said, I was very clear with, uh, with Jim when I booked the hunt that, that I was coming with my recurve. This is, this is what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, when I flew in here, I said, I signed a lien waiver that, the bear can eat me and I can die and nobody, and my wife, nobody can see you and you're good to go. Um, I signed my, I totally relieved you of all responsibility. I said, now that being 
said, I said, you know, I've spent a lot of money to do this hunt. And I said, I, I'll be as honest with you, as, but I want you to be honest with me. I said, you need to understand, you know, kind of what I need. I said, if you're not comfortable with it, I said, then, uh, I said, you hang back to wherever you need to be. I said, yeah, whatever you're comfortable with. I said, I'm not, I said, I'm not trying to put you in danger. I said, but don't feel like you need to protect me. And again, I, you know, when you're younger, you, you are a lot more, you know, you throw caution to the wind and you're a little more, you know, decisions I might make nowadays. I, you know, I, I'm a little more cautious maybe nowadays than I was in my twenties and thirties. So, you know, when I went on that hunt, I'm like, look, I'm, this is the way it needs to be. This is, this is what I need to have. And, you know, if you're not comfortable with it, we need to work it out. And I, and I was kind of hoping that once I got them, once we got away from everybody else, you know, the, the main camp that I could, that I could kind of persuade him to see my vision. And, uh, so we sat there and we talked, we talked about the bear. Well, the next day, Again, we kind of did the same thing. Um, the next day, I think we went and we, we hunted another spot and we went back and we, we hunted in the morning and didn't see anything. And that evening we went and hunted another little spot that we had found. Like we just sat up on it. Uh, it was a little tributary and same deal, you know, the salmon we're using it, but it just didn't, it didn't feel like it was something that, that I could make work for what I wanted to, for what I was doing. And my thought was where I was sitting was if the bears come out, I could work around on them. There, there, the banks of the, the creek were cut really, really deep. So I knew once they got down in it that if I stayed up high in the grass that I could, I could number one, use the wind and, and they wouldn't see me and maybe work away, work around and get close to them and shoot them, you know, when they were down in there, you know, certain, hunting for the salmon mm -hmm. so the third day i believe it was we, we went out and again we didn't see anything in the morning and then went checked out a different spot well so i i kind of told them i said look i said i want to hunt the next couple of days i said i just i said i want to go sit where we're sitting i said we saw the bear the first day i said he came out there's a lot of sign i'm pretty com pretty confident that I do, you know, the bears are there. The, there's salmon in the stream. I, I don't, I mean, I had everything that I thought I needed. So the, the fourth day we go out and we had up to that point really pretty good weather. Like, you know, for Alaska, it's like, man, this is, man, one day, I mean, it was shoot the sunshine all day long. And I mean, it was just kind of nice weather. Well, the fourth day it was like it was typical southeast Alaska weather. It was cloudy. It was a little bit breezy. It was just kind of spitting rain and just, it was just a little bit. It was not a good day. I mean, it was just nasty. And so we get out in the morning, real foggy and we get in there and, and this blind flash blind we had made, we had taken a tarp and put it up rims. So we actually pied like in that, that we were, were kind of out of the weather, like it wasn't weatherproof, but we weren't just sitting there getting soaked. So we we're sitting there and man, about 10 o'clock, you know, the tide, uh, 
the tide was had rolled out and it was getting kind of to the lowest the lowest point of the tide and it was a bear that it came out down the probably about 300 yards from it and I was watching them and, and we were watching them and, and, uh, and Tommy says he says well we just got to sit here and let them come to us and I'm thinking well okay as long as he keeps working my way I'm I'm all for that. I'll sit here as long as you want, as long as he's as long as he's moving in this direction. And, uh, and the bear was working like like he'd come up and he was working like two different little pools. Like he kept bouncing back and forth, bouncing forth. Well, he did that like twice. He did it. And I told I told Tommy. I said we gotta go. I said let's move down. I said let's move down. 200 yards. I said, we'll move down. And I said, we could come in. And he didn't want to do it. Like he did not want to do it. Well, that's when, you know, the rubber was starting to hit the road for me. And, uh, because I mean, this bear was, I felt again, it's that no go, no go. Like this situation seemed, seemed very good for me. Like this seemed really, really good. We had a predominant wind. The wind was blowing, um, in the, the direction to where I could come in and it was blowing basically from the bear straight back in my face and it was predominant, like it was very steady. Was the bear and, pretty uh, calm? And well, you know, I mean he was doing his thing, you know, he was <laughs> he was down in there. He, I mean he was uh he was yeah, he was probably calm because okay. Tommy was scared to death of him. Yeah, <laughs> Your guide not so much, but the bear was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. That guy was not he wasn't calm, but the bear was calm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was down in uh he was down in uh down in there and he caught a couple of fish and I I you know, I kind of you know, once they get hungry then they're done, you know. You yeah. gotta got a limited amount I mean it's not gonna he's not gonna eat all day long, you know, he's gonna he's gonna come, he's gonna eat, once he gets full, he's gonna you know, I'm gonna have to wait a day or two or whatever and you know, for him to come back. So with the weather and everything we had, I was really, I was really pretty happy. I like thought to myself, I'm like, man, this is great. This is, this is, this is really good. And, uh, so I told Tommy, I said, we, here's what we got to do. And I was kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't telling him, but I guess I was telling him. I'm like, here's what we got to do. I said, we got to go down there. And he, he didn't want to do it. I said, listen to him. I said, straight up. I said, here's the deal. I said, I'm going to go down there. I said, you can sit right here. I said, I don't have a bit of problem with that. He goes, well, I can't. I said, well, if you can't, then I said, I guess you're coming. I said, <laughs> you got to, I said, then you got to make up your mind. I said, because I said, I'm going. I said, this is a good situation. And I said, I, and I, I did keep telling him, I'm like, look, I said, let's, let's go, you know, let's go, let's go see. Let's go see if it works. You know, if it's not going to work, I'll back off. You know, I'll back off. You know, I just wanted to get his, get his feet moving. So, so he was right behind me, like literally right behind me. Like he was, he was, I mean, he was glued to me and he's going and he's, he's, he's pretty, I mean, I was excited, but, but I had two, you know, I had the bear in front of me and him behind me. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was intense say the least and and in high pressure situations i'm crystal freaking clear on what my thoughts are so i said to him i said 
I said, let's move around. I said, we're going to get down there. So I had picked a tree of where the bear was or where the bear, I picked this tree as a, as kind of a mark. So we went out and, and we were moving. We got down there pretty quick. You know, it was, you know, real grassy and it was, the wind was blowing. There was enough ambient noise that with the wind and the, the, the rain and I mean, it was good, you know, steady wind. It's like, man, this is good. And I was, I was moving right along. And when we caught up to, we're moving up to the edge. I couldn't see the bear anymore. And, and Tommy was, was right behind me. And, and, and he's like, I don't think we should go in there. I'm like, yeah, I said, let's go. At that, at that point, I was going whether he came or not. Like, I don't, like, he wasn't, he wasn't going to stop me. And I kept, I said, just a little further, just a little further. And we kept moving up, moving up, moving up. And I thought that the bear was like, I'm like, man, that bear is going to be, he's probably caught a salmon and moved to, to our side. And he's going to like, well, I'm going to look over this and, uh, I'm going to look over the bank and he's going to be right. Like he, I, I kind of felt like he was going to be tucked up real close to the edge of that embankment there. And I got up there and I got looking and old Tommy he taps me on his shoulder like, there he is, there he is. He was about, I don't know, 60, 70 yards down from him and uh um, he goes there he is there he is he goes what are you gonna do what are you gonna do because can you take that shot i'm like no i can't take that shot i can't take that shot and i and we were between the two spots that that the i had seen the bear kind of moving back and forth well he was down there and he was in the water kind of looking kind of looking for the fish you know like he was standing in a couple of feet of water and I could see the fish moving away from them like it was big enough. They were swimming all around him and you could kind of see the water rippling. And, and I, so I told Tommy, I said, uh, I'll listen to me. I said, uh, I said, let's just get up here close. And I said, let's wait. I said, he's going to come up to this one. And I told him at that point, I said, I listened to me. I said, I said, I won't take a shot that I'm not a hundred percent sure that I will take. I said, but, I said, and I will tell you, I will tell you, if it's a bad shot, I said, I will tell you, I will tell you instantly whether you should shoot or not. And then I said to him, like, real, like, I was, I was calm, cool, and collected. I said, now, Tommy, I said, listen to me. I said, I said, if I shoot this bear and I don't tell you to shoot and you shoot that bear, I said, that bear is going to be absolutely the last thing on this freaking planet that you're going to need to worry about. I said, I, I said, you, do you understand what I'm, and, and I'm not, I, I'm not, I, I'm not a, you know, Tommy might, may have been able to kick my ass. I don't know, but I was going to give it a good go. Like at that point, I was, I just, and I, and I wasn't really threatening him. I just wanted him to be very, very clear on what the, what, what, what needed to happen here because and and again i was starting to get a little bit nervous and it's like man i i'm going to keep the therapy session going as long as i can and i told him at, at one point you know i said look i said don't i said i said tom i said don't you shoot me in the freaking back i said you got that i said don't i said don't get all excited and shoot me because he was he was he was quite honestly, he was, he was, he was nervous. 
And I was nervous, but I was excited. Like I, 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 I I'm like, why? Well, and I told him, I told him too that I would, I would shoot, I would not take a shot that I felt like was um, marginal. Like if I don't feel like I had a, a above average or you know a very very good chance of making a good shot on the bear, that I wouldn't do it. I told him. Mm-hmm. And you know whether he believed me or not, you know he he may have, you know, not believed me, what have you. So anyway, the bear, um, the bear's down there. He's not finding any fish. And about the time I get done with my last therapy session with Tommy, I look back at the bear, and right in front of me, this salmon had tried to come out of this pool and swim like it was swimming, literally upstream to the bear. But the salmon had got caught in like shallow water, like literally an inch or two of water. So when that salmon started splashing around, the minute that happened, the bear's head looks straight up at that salmon. And he did not even hesitate. As soon as he saw that fish, he started beelining it straight to that salmon. And I said, I, you know, I mean, I, we were kind of crouched down up in the, again, up in the, in the grass, kind of crouched down and, you know, the bear's coming up and he's, he's going to, it's going to put him like, uh, 15, 16, 17 yards from us, you know, is where the fish was. Perfect. And, uh, so I told him, I told Sammy, I, I told Tommy, I said, he, I said, he's going to come up and he's going to get that fish. And he did. He, he picked his head up. He walked straight up, straight to that fish. And the, I mean, the fish was free pick, was easy picking. And I'll never forget it. You know, he walked over, like straight over to that fish and he put his, put his paw right on the fish. Like he just stepped on it. And when he stepped on it, he started, you know, he just started eating it. And he just, you know, he grabbed that fish and he had his paw on it and grabbed that fish. And it's like he skinned him. It's like he grabbed the head and just skinned it in like one, one, like bit it had his paw on it and just ripped the skin right off of it and started lapping it up and you know i mean he he was content he was calm he was cool and it it was kind of quartering he was kind of quartering to me and every time he'd like move that fish he'd move his uh his onside arm and he'd like kind of would move that arm around and i'm like oh this is gonna be kenny was quartering away a little bit and when he went and he kind of stuck that arm up again, you say green light, like, like I was watching all of that in my mind. And I'm like, Oh, this, this is really good. And, and he's close, you know, he's 15 yards, but you know, you know what we talked about earlier, 15, you can miss them at five yards. You can miss them at 50 yards. Mm-hmm. You can miss them at 20. If you're not, if you're not focused on a specific target, and again, this, I think the smaller, that can't be, there's the bear, that's my target. Like, I don't want to hit that target. I want to hit the tennis ball target in the kill zone. You know, it's like a little bit more dialed in than just the bear's the target. I'll just shoot the bear. So I was very focused on where I needed to put the arrow. And every time he moves that arm, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is, this, this is too good to be true. And so I'm like, the next time he does that, like I'm, I was kind of half, like I was half drawn. I was like, 
like I'm trying to pick the, the shot I want to take. And I could remember, I can remember when I shot and as soon as I saw the arrow hit the bear, like the minute, the minute, the second I saw that happen, I'm like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Like that's all I was saying. I'm like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. And as soon as the arrow hit him, you know, he turns, he, uh, he bites at the arrow and he runs up the other side. At that time, you know, he, he doesn't have, he has no clue what's going on. He, he went the same way that he came in, um, exited the opposite side and, you know, and the arrow, as soon as the arrow hit, you know, I could almost, as he was running up the other side, I could see blood coming out of him. So, so he, I, well, as soon as I shot him, obviously he, he ran up on the bank. I told Tommy, I said, man, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. I could see the blood coming out. And, and again, at that point in time, Again, I, I was in my mind, I was a hundred, I was a hundred percent. I'm like, that bear is dead. That was a perfect shot. That part of it is like, like there, everything on that front is over. So I turned and I looked at Tommy and again, he was shaking so much. He couldn't hit a freaking <laughs> elephant. He couldn't have, he couldn't have hit an elephant if it was standing on him. And, and so he's, he's like, and, and as the bear's running, like, like I wanted the bear to get in the woods so fa- faster than that bear wanted to because I wanted him out of Tommy's sight. Like I wanted him to have no visible shot at that bear. And he's, and I'm telling him, I'm like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, Tommy, he's just Tommy, 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 don't shoot, don't shoot. And he's, you know, he's, he, he, he was, you know, swinging that gun barrel around. I was trying not to get hit in the head. <laughs> and finally, finally the bear got out of sight. He was, you know, up in the, you know, the thick stuff. And, and he says to me, he says, we got to wait. I said, wait, what are we waiting for? Let's go get that bear. He goes, dog, oh, he goes, Chris, he goes, we got to wait because I got to wait at least an hour. I'm like, okay. I said, well, I said, I said, you know, I said, you did, you know, I was telling him, I said, hey, you did really, really good. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I said, you did everything that I wanted you to do. I said, I'm, I'm very, very happy. And he was asking me, he's like, he's like, do you think he's dead? Well, hell yeah, I think he's dead. He probably, he was dead before he's thinking took two steps. Like he was dead. This bear was, he was just smoked. And, uh, I said to him, I said, well, He's dead. I said he's probably right over there. I said, Can't we just hang out here for a little bit and go get him? He goes, no. He goes, no. He goes, I, I, we gotta wait. Well, he was scared. Well, he was scared to go. He was, he didn't want to go track that bear. I said, okay, Tommy. I said, whatever you want to do. I said, but can before we go, I said, can I just go look at that? Like I wanted to look at, I wanted to look at the blood going up out of the creek. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I. I said, Tommy, I said, I'll tell you what, I said, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk over there. And I said, I just want to look. I said, see where he went up. I said, can I just, I said, there was, there was blood there. And uh, I had my binoculars on me. So I, and I was showing them in the binoculars. I said, see that blood? I said, I want to go look at that. I said, let's go over there and look at it. Dude, he wasn't going nowhere. He goes, well, no, we can't, we can't, we can't go over there. I said, let me just walk over there. And I said, he goes, he goes, you won't go any farther than that, will you? I said, no, I, I won't go any farther than that. 
And uh, I got over there and I was looking at the blood, so I had like taken it up to like the top, and I like like it was really good. Like the blood was really good. I'm like <laughs> Tommy. I'm like I, this is really good. And uh, I got up to the top, and he's like he's yelling at me. He's like Chris, you promised. You promise. You promise not to go any farther. I'm like, I'm like, okay, Oops. Tommy. I said, I said, okay. I said, whatever you want to do. I said, you tell me. I, the bear was dead. I knew it. And uh, at that point, I was so happy that he, that he, you know, played ball with me. Didn't shoot you in the back. You know, he. Oh yeah. I was, <laughs> I was happy for the bear to be dead. I was happy for. That he didn't shoot my bear like I was, yeah, I was, I was happy. And uh, I said, "Well, what Tommy, if you want to go back, I said, let's go back." I said, "I'll fix you breakfast if you want me to." I said, "Where do I do?" But he go back, and he was, he was like really, he was super excited. Truthfully, I felt like that he should have paid for half the hunt. What I felt like <laughs> because he got, he was more entertained than I was. Like he, he, it was, he was like, "Man, that was cool, Chris. That was cool." He goes, I never been that close. He goes, man, that was something. So we get back and he gets the sat phone out. And he's calling the, he's calling the, he's calling the, uh, the outfitter and he's like, he's like, Jim, he says, we did it. We did it. He says, we got up. We, it was we, it was like we, I had a weevil in my pocket, man. <laughs> it was all, it was all we did it to the, to Jim. And I, I, I played ball. I let him do what he wanted to do. I told him, I said, Tom, I said, you did good. I said, the, I said, the bear's dead. I said, uh, I said, let's wait. And we went back. And even after that hour, when we went back, he, he's like, I, I, like he did not. I said, come on. I said, let's go. I said, I'll, I'll go first. I said, I'll, I'll go first. And I'm bebopping along blood everywhere. Like I'm like, this bears, this bears just, then I found the arrow as well. Like I just, uh, you know, just the way he reacted. The, what I saw, you know, the arrow went completely through him, like in one side, right out the other, and just, you know, blood on both sides of the trail. It was just, uh, you know, you could not have asked for a better, a better scenario. And uh, so we go, and, and literally the bear probably didn't go 50, 60 yards, and and there, there was a tree, like we had to kind of crawl under because it was really thick. And when we got to that, he didn't. Again, Tommy, Tommy was not taking, he was not taking the lead at any point during this, <laughs> during this adventure. <laughs> so we get there and I'm looking through my binoculars. I'm looking up above, up in front of us. And I'm like, Tom, I said, there's the bear right there. And I could just see over this log. I could see the ground. I kept looking. He goes, is he moving? I'm like, he ain't moving. I said, he, Tom, I said, we're good. And uh, he goes, are you going to go up there? I'm like, yeah, I'll go up there. I I had the I had the old don't shoot me in the back. You know, I I don't mind going first. I just don't want to be. I just don't want. Didn't really wasn't real comfortable with him behind me with the loaded gun. Like that was the like if he was in, he probably would have shot my dead bear if he was in front anyway. Like the bear was probably going to get shot being dead mm-hmm. at that point in time. So we get up there and we get close to him and. And, uh, you know, we're looking at him. And finally, once he realized the bear's dead and the, the bear had so much rigor mortis, like when we rolled him over, like he, he had rigor mortis had set in and he was, 
again, he was. He'd been dead know, a while. Before, I, oh, he was dead. He didn't make it five seconds after that arrow. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, he, 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 was, he was stone cold dead. And now we get over there, and he's like, he hands me the gun, and he's like, or no, he hands me the gun, and he's like, hey, he picked up the bear's head, and he's looking at him, and he's like, hey, can you get my picture? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you picture. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so we took pictures, you know, I got his picture, he took my picture, you know, we were, he was happy, I was happy, I mean, it was, at that point, I'm like, God, I, you know, I, everything was good, and uh, I, I remember uh, the tide had come in, so, you know, we were, we were on, going to be stuck on that side for a couple, you know, so the tide went back out, mm-hmm. so we had a good long time, and uh, we got over there, and that tide was starting to come back in. Well, we found the bear, and, and uh, he says, uh, hey, he says, uh, he pulled his knife out, and he was, like, looking, and and I'm like, I said, Tommy, I said, you've never seen the bear, have you? Well, he goes, uh, I said, that's okay. I said, don't worry about it. I said, why, I said, uh, why don't you do this? I said, you hold what I need help. And I'll, I didn't, you know, I'm like, man, he didn't shoot my bear. I damn sure didn't want him freaking butchering him up with his pocket knife. You know? Yeah. So, so I ended up skinning him out and, you know, he was, I mean, he was a big help. He, he was, he was, he was an enjoyable hunt. You know, it's something I'll never forget. It, it probably could have went sideways, you know, very easily. It didn't, but, um, yeah, it was a good, I mean, I'll obviously never forget it. And it was, it worked out and, you know, I got a, you know, shot my brown bear, and and it was cool. I mean, it was it was it was just good. And we just got a good story for a podcast out of it. Oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was great. Most definitely. No man, it was uh, it was a good time. I like uh, I like uh, I mean, I like talking. To them. I mean, the the stories are cool. I mean, I got I. I had the same thing. You know, I had a pretty, it was a pretty good story when I, uh, shot, I shot a grizzly bear on a beach up in Alaska, which was, which was super cool. I mean, that was a super cool hunt as well. Um, and then I, I had one, I shot one bear that I actually let go. He was in, uh, and I was hunting on a salmon stream, um, but I was in a tree stand. Yeah. And, um, I, I had the, this bear had come down and he got in the water and, uh, he was just soaking wet, so he looked really, really small to me. And a moose had came out. A moose had came out on the edge of the the, the uh, uh, this little salmon stream. And when he did that, it kind of spooked the bear. So the bear runs up, and he's standing literally right underneath me, like he's done I mean, perfect shot. But he was the bear was soaking wet, so he looked really, really small. So I, I didn't. I didn't shoot him like he was just soaked, you know, he looked like he looked like he had the mange. I'm like, man, that's a small bear. Like he just, but he was, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's the same bear I shot a few days later, but I just looking at him soaking wet, he just did not look that big. But it's amazing what the fur and it, poofiness does, eh? <laughs> no, no, you know, it's just like, you know, I mean, that's, you know, live animals, you know, I mean, they, 
you know, there's always, to a certain extent, there's can always be ground shrinking, there's shrinkage, especially on bears. You know, bears, bears dead look a little smaller than they do alive because of that. You know, they got so much fur that, you know, it, it can be deceiving. But, but no, I, uh, that was fun. I hope, uh, I'd like to get back, um, I'd like to get back and do another grizzly hunt. Like I, I, I think some, I think that British Columbia is going to get opened back up. And I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I really, really, really would like to, you know, I'd like to see if I had one more of them, them trips in me. Yeah. I think we'd all call Tommy. See if Tommy's up for it again. (laughs) Uh, I think Tommy's retired. from the barrel. Again, I don't, I don't, he was, he was a very, very good guy. I, I had an enjoyable time with him. He just, again, he was in a, he was over his head, um, in, in kind of what he was trying to do. But he was a super, super hard worker. He, you know, he listened, you know, I mean, I, I kind of feel like if I would have had another, probably if I would have had somebody else, they may have not even, you know, I probably, I probably would have been in a fist fight because I don't think they would have even been willing to listen to me. Yeah. Like, at least. If, you know, if I had, if I had some guy that was like somewhat experienced, he wouldn't listen to me at all. Yeah. You know, by the fact that, that he was, you know, kind of younger and kind of willing to, you know, he was, you know, I think he somewhat trusted me maybe. Like I, I mean, I, I know he dang well trusted that I was freaking serious about what I was taught when I was talking to him. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't squinting. I wasn't, I wasn't not looking him in the eye. I mean, that was the, well, I said, I don't give a shit who comes up here and arrests me. I said, we're, I said, this one, this is going to go sideways fast. And I'm not normally like that. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, a, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a live and let, let, let live type of guy, but. Yeah, the situation uh, calls for it. You, you, well, you know, you sign the, you know, you sign labors, you're signing your life away, you're signing, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want him to, I wasn't, I wasn't paying him to save my life, you know, I was paying him to take me bear hunting. That's, yeah. that's what I wanted to do. Anyway, I didn't know. Uh, I don't tell. I never told. I don't think I told those stories to my wife or kids. You know, I, I just. I yeah, don't I think there are listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That or we're drawing the wrong crowd. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, it, it was uh, it was a fun hunt. Oh, uh, like I said, it was it was fun. That was a good one. But, well, man, we we want to get you back on again if you're okay with it. Cool, yeah, yeah, no problem. Definitely. All right. Well, I guess we can wrap it up here. But Chris, again, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. We really, really appreciate it, and and the absolutely amazing stories. Um, we'll definitely do this again. And good luck in Texas, man. Have fun down there. Oh, I'll have fun. I can guarantee you. Like I, whether I. enjoy hanging out with these guys scotty's just uh he's just a you know he I mean he's and again he's you know we're close to the same age so we think a little bit alike but man he's mm-hmm. i love sitting around listening to his stories he's been doing it for 
you know, has been doing it forever and ever and ever and just just a wealth of information. You know, I mean, those are the guys you can learn from. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, you, you can't, you know, I mean, I, again, I don't, I'm no audit hunter. I don't know. I mean, I, there's audit out there. I'm going to go, I can go hunt them. But as far as like really, you know, if you want to learn and you want to, um, you know, shorten that learning curve, that's what you, you know, that's, that's what I do. Like, I don't, like I, I will definitely, definitely listen no matter what age you are or what you are. If you've got experience in something I haven't done and I, you know, kind of can see that, then, then man, you got, I'm, I'm going to listen to you. But with this day and age of the, of the, you know, the face gram and all that crap, man, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of bullshit out there. I can tell you that. There's a lot of it. Yeah, she probably should have beeped that, but man, that's, nah, that's right. the truth. No, that's, that's our true. sweet spot. Yeah, that's 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 our that's where we keep it. Oh man. Well, again, thank you. Let's do this again soon. All right. Cool. All right, man. Have cool. a safe trip. You, yeah, safe travels. See ya. Yeah, it's good talking okay, to you again, thanks. Chris. We'll talk to you soon. See. You. All right, yeah, man. Have a good see one. Bye.